What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. It's more story time. I'm Scott Weatherly, and as always for this, I'm joined by Tony Farina. Tony, how are you doing? You right? I'm staring out my back window. <laughs> longingly at the neighbors. No, yes, I'm very well. Thank you. Good, good. Yes. But you're right, we are continuing our uh, short story movie, like, sort of like, you know, story time. Um, yeah. We, we've done a couple of different, like, different bits and pieces, mostly sort of like sci-fi and some of the things. This is a bit more, we're in the thriller territory. Um, I'm going to just come out with it. We're, we're doing um, It Had to Be Murder, a story that I'm pretty sure very few people have heard of, by Cornell Woolrich, and Rear Window by Alfred Hitchcock. Which everybody's heard of. Which everyone's heard of. <laughs> Whether you've seen it or not. Yeah. My wife saw it for the first time last night. Um, and I was like, hey, have you ever seen Rear Window? She's like, hmm. And she has a, a, she has a complicated relationship with Hitchcock in that mm-hmm. um, she understands that he likes to leer at blonde ladies and is a bit of a sexist. So as a blonde lady who's a, who's a lady, she's like, <laughs> she's like, she also, you know, because he's not as bad as like some other filmmakers. You know, he's not as... Um, He's not a monster or anything. He's not. No. But he definitely, it's on full display as will when we talk about the film. So that is always her reticence about uh, Hitchcock and his <laughs> leering at blonde ladies, which she does really enjoy. You know, another one we could do, um, of course, is The Birds. Yes. Uh, and he and he had that weird crush on Daphne, you know, himself. Like Hitchcock mm. loves short stories and he liked Daphne in general. And if you've read, you've read The Birds, I, I have. Yes. Nothing like that movie. No, no. He's Very like, different. I read this, and I want to get Tippy Hedren in this. What do I? What do I got to do? She can't do a Scottish accent. Yeah, okay, uh, here we go. That's the first thing I was going to say. The first thing is, <laughs> it's not in America. It's like, yeah, <laughs> no, amazing. But anyway, yeah. So this is exciting. I didn't until this is the cool thing about this is like, this all started obviously because of the racer, mm. um, which most people didn't know that was. It, but everybody knows Death Race, but nobody knew. It. And so I think this is what's cool is like. The, there's short fiction that's out there and these stories exist, you know, like um, that Die Hard 2 uh, was based on a short story, you know, um, yeah. 58 minutes. I know. And, and it's so, and I know you've gone through all of those mm. people check the archives of 20th Century Geek <laughs> for his Die Hard series, which is excellent by the way. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think there's this amazing uh, thing. So this is fun for me because I didn't know, I mean, I'd seen Rear Window. Um, I had, did not know it was, and it says it right on the opening credits. And if you're not paying attention, like I saw it when I was a kid, I had watched but it that, probably. 30 but that years. happens all the time. Yeah. Like the amount of yeah. films that are clearly based on short stories or novels, and you'll sort of see it like based on whatever. And you sort of because it's the, in the opening credits, you sort of glaze over it, don't you? And then someone you'll see it in an article, or you, someone will tell you later, and you go, "What? That was based on a yeah. book or based on a story?" Yeah, and you'll go and find out. Like again, like you know, it, I, I was what. I it's only been the last sort of ten real, probably in the last ten years, maybe a little bit more, that I knew that Die Hard was, but you know, it was based on not only a, a book, book Roderick yeah. Thorpe, yes. yeah, exactly, yes. and also it's a sequel book, and the, yeah, the, the detective, the, the detective, yeah. which is yeah, so there's a whole like, legacy of things there, so it's yeah, 
Amazing. Right, so, that's the Sinatra that they mm. had to offer Die Hard to Sinatra first because he yeah, plays in the, the character ages, in the first, which is, mad, which is amazing. Yeah. But, well, but you know, it would have been. I'm it would have so been a very different film. Did, I'm so glad they didn't make. Have you ever read that that book, yes. novel? Yeah, it's that his job. That character is a lot different. Um. So actually, if they had made a true adaptation, Sinatra actually would have been pretty good. Yeah, I always think like, whenever I read it, I see them as being like if it have got like late 80s Clint Eastwood would have mm. been like perfect for that character. No, it's true. It's true. And yeah. you know who wasn't probably up for John McClane? James Stewart. Probably yes. not. I was say, yeah. Good not pivot. Well stage. done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, no, it's true. But it's funny though because when it shows up on the screen it says James Stewart and Lee's like, James Stewart? Because you always think of him as Jimmy. Jimmy like, Stewart. We're all yeah, his yeah. friends. Yeah. Even though that's always his name, everybody calls him Jimmy Stewart. So it like yeah. threw her off for a minute too. Cause there's like this whole thing, like you forget that Jimmy Stewart was a badass. Honestly, if they had made Die Hard back in the day, he made so many Westerns. He was totally oh, a tough God. guy so many times. Yeah. So you forget that he could have pulled that off. And there's a few times in this where Sun's Out, Guns Out, and he's, you know, I mean, he's in his late 40s in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, still in great shape, you know, still, you know, he's the silver fox in this and everything, but you know, but it is just funny to think he probably could have. He's just so big. Yeah, he's a tall he's guy. Such a yeah. big man that you know he couldn't have been crawling around in the, in the things. What? But I, I do think you know it's interesting that I agree. I think nineteen eighties Clint Eastwood would have been a great thing. But nineteen eighties Clint Eastwood was a derivative of nineteen fifties, nineteen forties Jimmy Stewart. Oh yeah, yeah. And you say like yeah, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart's an interesting actor because you know the guy's got range. Like I've I've always liked you know like you say he can play. He he's played hardened characters. He was a, I believe he was in in the army or the air force. Like he literally yeah. sort of quit acting to go into the army during World War Two. Um, you know, he, he, yeah, he played like those westerns. You know, who shot um, Liberty Valance and um, done a whole bunch of stuff. But then you sort of think, oh, but he also did It's a Wonderful Life, so he can play sort of like that soft and character Philadelphia, and, which and Philadelphia, is yeah, hysterical, also rampantly sexist, but also really funny. And you know, the film version of that, like. Um, she did. She produced that herself. That was her way back into Hollywood was to mm. raise the money. Like she, she had kind of been blacklisted for her relationship, you know, her her being herself, yeah. and um, Catherine Hepburn just being un- unapologetically herself. So she kind of moved away. But she and Cary Grant and and Jimmy Stewart stayed friends. And so she did that Philadelphia story um, as a play. And she's like, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to make the movie. And because they were her friends, and they were like, let's do it. And he he won an Oscar for it. Jimmy Stewart for that. And he's amazing in that. I mean, he's the, he's the, he, you know, he's playing second fiddle because Cary Grant's over there. Yeah. yeah. But um, it is, it, yeah, he, he is got rights. He's funny. He's charming. He's hardened. He's mm. scary. He's a bit of a dick in this. Um, Yeah, it is. And you could, because you just always think of him as, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Like, I don't know what it is like that has become his personality. Like yeah. that film has been tied to him, but I don't know anybody who's seen that movie. No, I, you yeah. know what I mean. It's so yeah, I know, weird. I agree. I know hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Know what you mean. Like, yeah, he sort of got in in pop culture. He's kind of whenever they spoof him or they sort of parody him, like he's been pigeonholed as that, but he's not. He's he's a lot more than that, which is you know definitely true. We will get to him because we'll we'll get to more of the cast and some of the yeah. some a lot more to talk about the film. But first off, let's talk about the story. That yeah. is, it had to be murder, um, by Cornell Woolrich, and as we said, like. Didn't know this existed. Um, it's dense. Oh, there's a lot of words. 
yeah. in 13 pages. It packs a punch. It does. <laughs> um, there's a lot going on, but also this reading the story. Well, I'll get onto it. Um, re- reading the story made me realize something about the film, mm. which kind of sort of not unnerved me, but made the film better and made it more sinister mm-hmm. and more more sort of disturbing. Yeah, yeah, because the, the book, the, the the novel, sorry, so the short story, it's thirteen pages, nineteen forty two. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yep. that seems right. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's it's a hard. It's like a hard boiled, non detective detective story. <laughs> it is because it's written in first person, and yeah. and I have to say, we've talked about this before, and nobody will ever start a story better than Shirley Jackson in the history of the world. But this mm-hmm. guy's trying. I didn't know their names. I'd never heard their voices. I didn't even know them by sight, strictly speaking, for their faces were too small to fill in with identical features in the distance. What an open, like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. so good. And writing it in first person, it is very noir, very, you know, hard-boiled, pulpy detective. You know what's happening right from the jump. So I love that opening. I think it was so, that's, I think your description is spot on. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a non-detective detective, which those are kind of fun, right? Mm. The, when it's not, when it's an accidental detective um, or when you like, you know, like you accidentally solve a murder or whatever, you know, because it's like you stumble into it. But like this is, he's trapped. Well, the, he's got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the the great thing about this one is, and it's more so in the nov, uh, more so in the story than in the, um, the film, is the fact of like halfway through that you're reading this. Like you say, it's not that long, but halfway through this, you're still not a hundred percent sure that a murder has actually happened. <laughs> right. Because you don't see anything. You don't see anything, and I know that's in the film, but like. You sort of know that it's a Hitchcock film. It's gonna have the payoff, but with the story, like it's he, it's him with cabin fever. Like he's mm-hmm. trapped in. You know, he actually says at the beginning about how he could, all he can do is get from his bed to his chair, and that's about it. Like he's gone a little bit stir crazy, and so you're not entirely sure for probably the majority of this book if he's not just like making up stuff in his head. Right, he is an, and I think making it a first-person, unreliable narrator is really important. I think that changes the layer of thing. Where it again, Hitchcock casting Jimmy Stewart, America's hero, um, America's princess. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, like he he, it was different. Like he he was showing you by casting Princess Grace, and and she wasn't Princess Grace yet, but she might as well have been. Yeah, yeah, the princess that she was. And, you know, so like you're casting sort of royalty um, as the heroes and Raymond Burr as the villain. Like you're not like he's telling you. Oh, he's advertised. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but you're right in this first person, unreliable narrator. Like, what the fuck is going on? And I agree. I read it twice and I just was rereading it before we started because I was like, it it plays with your head. It's so Mm. well written that it it makes you you talked about its denseness and it's so intentional, long running sentences on purpose to lead you astray it's it's very well constructed it could piss somebody off pretty easily and be like fuck this i don't even know what's happening but that yeah. you, you gotta work you gotta you gotta grind it out because th- there's a payoff well i think one, one of the things i would say is one, about that sort of the density of it and that sort of long sentence structure short sentences long sentence like the, the there's a pace to this and because it's first person it feels almost like a train of thought mm. Like he's telling you the story, but there's moments when there's sort of you feel yourself reading faster. 
Oh, you're it, right. You do because he's because he's like figuring it out, and then like you know, and you're going like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, there's a whole bit with the trunk, and he starts yeah. putting it together, and there's there's a large trunk, and he's watching um, through the window. He's watching the you know, the husband of the Lars, the wolf, Lars yeah, whose you no, know, his Thor, wife has gone missing. Thor, it's definitely Lars Thormwood. Thor some... Lars Thormwood. Thormwood. Um, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, he's. There's emotion. He just sees. I'm. I'm. All he, all he can see is there's emotion behind one of the blinds. He can't tell what it is, and he's trying to figure it out. And he gets back. And then he's like. And then it sort of slows. He's like, oh, he's taking dresses down off. Um. But at the moment, you're like this irregular motion. You're like you're led to believe he's dismembering a body. And so it's sort of like the pace quickens, and you're like, the, the weight is written. And then it's like, oh, he's just he's taking dresses out of a wardrobe and he's putting them into a, a, a this trunk. And it's just like there's bits like that where you're like, your heart gets beat and then it sort of like brings you down again and then sort of like and it just, it just does that and it's so well constructed. We're like this is a really tense and dense story. Um, that yeah, I was sort of like like you say, I can see why you say well people would be pissed off because yeah. you've got to stick it out like it pays you off do. but you got to stick it out. Well, and it's and that's why it works as I short like it couldn't be you couldn't write a whole novel like this. No. like there are like Virginia Woolf writes like this, right? You're like in her head all the time and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And she's cheap, but she also knows even her novels are short. She's mm. like, I can't, you can't do this. Sustain you, that. Can't. you can't sustain that. Uh, no. Right. Like Mrs. Dalloway, you can't hang on to that. Like that is such a mess. And I love it. I love it. Her, but it's also exhausting. Faulkner is that way. Uh, mm. the, a lot of the Russians are that way. Um, Melville is that way. You're like, we're just like, what the fuck is going? But it's intentional. They're playing with you, and it's it's yeah. only because their skill as a writer. And and what he does really well. There's a there's a moment like top of page five and the version I'm looking online where he breaks, he stops, and like you talked about the the way the pacing, and he goes through a list, and you really speed up when you're going through the list because like you're with him. Oh yeah, his points. Things. Yeah, yeah. Here's these here's these points. And he's like, one, this, two, this. And you're just like, and in your mind, you're like keeping up with his train of thought. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. And then you're like, stop. And then and then he's canceling himself. And he even says, but then it came up against seven. I hit a stumbling block. So you as a reader are like, Arr! and it is, it's just, it's, I, I don't know. I've never heard of this guy. I mean, I, I haven't reached out and started reading more because I didn't want to temper what we mm. were doing here, but I'm definitely going to try to find more of his stuff because if it's like this, it's totally going to be worth it. And mm. I can see where he's why well, Hitchcock could be like, oh, you know, and I know Hitchcock didn't write the screenplay, but you know, it's a Hitchcock film. You know, yeah. he's it's not one of those things. Nobody comes up to Hitchcock and is like, hey boss, you want to read this play? He's like, hey, you are gonna turn this, I'm gonna buy this, and you're gonna write it, and it's gonna be to my specification. Oh, yeah, that's he's, how it, he's you know. well involved in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, not yeah. like Carpenter, where Carpenter, as we talked last time, where he wrote the script under a different name. It's not, <laughs> it's not that yes. Yeah. yeah. Um but, you know, I think, it, and so that, you know, and there is, and then sometimes there'll be no dialogue for a page and a half, and then it's like nothing but dialogue. Mm. And one, one sentence paragraphs, like, no, that wasn't it either. Immediately after the trunk had been dispatched, the trunk, that did it. Like, those are each paragraphs. Yeah. Whereas the paragraph before that is like this long, monstrous thing. So again, it's just, it's well, it's well paced. And I, it, Again, I don't know how this one didn't. Do you think it's because of the film this didn't hold up? Like, would this be? Would we? No, would this I, be lottery adjacent? No. If no, no, okay. no, no, no. I think. I mean, that's nothing is as good as lottery. But do you know what I mean? Like, would this be in great American short stories? I don't you know. Don't think and so. the, 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 
there's two reasons why I don't think it would. And and I think it's a shame because I think this does stand up. Um, yeah. The first is I think because of the density of it. Okay, it's a it's mm. a it's a pulp detect non you know let's say non detective detective story. I love that. That's what it is. Yeah. Officially now you've created a genre. In <laughs> so say a Scott forever. Um, but it's also incredibly dense. So it's not like you, it's not like um, I'm thinking like a, a cha- you know Raymond Chandler or sort of like Dashiell Hammett. Or you could sort of jump in. It's pulpy. It's noir. It's that something like you know you can sort of like it's all a bit overly macho. This is actually like almost um there's a psychopathy to this like this guy's clearly like you know there's a there's a slight madness to this book uh to this story that i think you know it's not it's not designed to be fun if you if you know what i mean no right yeah it's not a wrong um, yeah so there's that right. whereas like you're right with chandler in particular because philip Marlowe is always cracking wise and yeah. whatever. You're right. There, there's there's a charm to him. Even when he's getting his ass kicked, he's still like, well, blah, blah, blah. blah and I lit my pipe. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, well, this this genre, I don't think. It gets, well, it gets overlooked, I think. Because, mm. um, again, I think it gets lumped in with certain things. And so I think it gets sort of overlooked as, oh, it's just a short thriller or a detective novel. You know what I mean? It's sort of like yeah. p- people would consider it to be throwaway, especially with the title. Like it had to be murder. So if it sounds like the kind of thing that's going to appear in sort of uh, Reader's Digest or something like that. So I think it would have, I still think it would have been forgotten. And it's, I think actually, I think Rear Window overshadows it, no doubt. But having done this, I'm glad that we were like, oh, actually this is, this is why I, th- I love doing this. Because you go off and you find something, you're like, Oh crap! This is amazing. This is really good. It is, and it really is really good. I, I am, and I think too. It because I, it, it's funny that you mentioned. You know, we mentioned um, Chandler. So I recently finished all of the um, Marlowe books. I'd mm. only read a, a couple of them, and it was really, you know, not. So I read them in order, and um, and then you know, at the end, I read all of the collected short stories. Mm-hmm. That, you know, so it's like they put out the seven books, and then the eighth one is the collected short stories. So those actually kind of are published before, during, and after the seven Marlowe yeah. books. And um, those are great, and I, I can't recommend it enough. But again, those shorter ones, the shorter detections are, Greg Stout did this too. He did the Nero Wolf books, and obviously, you know, Poe and uh, Doyle wrote shorts. Mm. Like, you forget that most of the Sherlock Holmes ones are oh, short really stories. Sure. All of Poe's detective fiction, you know, we name in America the Edgar Award, is named after Poe. Like the detective for the greatest detective story of the year is named after Poe. People forget, mm. you know, that he did that, uh, that he invented the detective story and they were short. And when you go back and you're like, son of a bitch, like you, this guy does it. He, yes. he, the payoff is good. It's right in front of you. Um, Everything that you need is there to, to, he, he, and there's even a line about your eyes playing tricks on you, but he, he told you earlier that it was happening. Then you have to go back and you're like, fuck he did. And I think that's what makes it pay off is like such a skill, this dense, the short little thing to say, I'm going to pull this off. And so what it reminded me of, and again, you're saying it gets lumped into that, but this is harder, harder than the stuff I write. It's harder than like, this is difficult because you. You're saying I've got this many words and I have to commit a murder, solve a murder and prove. And actually it can't be do sex machina. It's got to be proven. I got to show it. And he does it. Mm. And that is a real skill. And it's really funny that you say it's lumped in with those things. And here's the questions, Scott. And again, I think this is important too, is we'll talk about um, Hitchcock too. What is up with, if it's popular, it has to be shitty. 
Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. What is that? Pop culture is it's the pop in pop culture, isn't it? Which I know is obviously popular culture, but yeah. it means everyone. It's that consideration of like it's got to be accessible to everybody, and that sort of means it's got to be easy. And yeah. and but people yeah. think that, so therefore, if it's yes. popular, so people think that, but that's not true. Like it, it is accessible to everybody, but it's layered, and so because yeah. people say it's accessible to everybody, that's thank you. So that's what it is. People say, oh, it's pop. It's it's accessible to everybody, so it's like a Supreme song. So it's the Supreme so, like the Supremes aren't as good as the Beatles. Okay, sure, they're different, yeah. but you know who's you know what? Those harmonies are fucking amazing. And I I except for like three other air quote girls groups, there's nobody who pulls it off. Like the En Vogue comes close to the Supremes. Like what they're doing is hard, mm. and and that is amazing. But because you're thinking like baby love, well that's a great song, and it makes you feel a certain way, and it's written in a really distinct way, and it does all the things um, it's, that it's supposed to do, and it's yeah. still good just because everybody likes it. This is where you and I, I think, you know, other people will think within our sort of like, especially in our sort of quite close sphere, like we, yeah. there, there are people in that sphere that like, there's the pop culture, like you know, we all talk about. You know stuff we love. We love the comics. We love the movies. But we've all got like the stuff on the periphery. Like we're the kind of we are those sort of I'll call us proud nerds that have got the periphery. Yeah. About, especially about short stories. Like you know I've got my weird fiction, so I'm sort of got it in front of me. Like you know, yes, I love Lovecraft. Right. Sure. But like Lovecraft to me is like is the mainstream. Like you know, not everyone's read at all of Lovecraft because he's pretty sometimes can be quite dense to get into. But I still think of like I'm just looking at what I've got, you know, um, Robert Aikman, um, William Hope Hodgson. You know, you go off onto these other sort of bits and pieces. EF Benson, um, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go off, and I'm, they're the ones I want to read because like no, not everyone's yeah. reading this; they've sort of forgotten. But they then you know they shouldn't be. Um, and so you know, there's this thing of like you know, they, they they are a bit harder work at times, but there's a reason for that because yeah, you know, they're doing something different. Like there's a reason for the structure. There's a reason why like the payoff is amazing. So you sort of get through that to get to the the experience or the of reading. And I feel like that's what this is. Yeah. Like this is that thing. Um I I, I there's there's a scene in particular in this. But it happened a couple there's a, there's a, there's a theme in this that happens that really disturbed me. All right. And this okay. book I want to hear it. Yeah. And it, it made me think about the film. This is what made the film darker for me. So um, in this, it's 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 there's it's more of a high rise situation, right? So he's yeah. looking at a, a, a more high rise situation, and they've got these blinds down. So there's these roller blinds covering up, and the, it's the one in the bedroom. And I've never I've, I've watched Rear Window a number of times, never really clocked this in my head. And I was like, oh, the bedroom's always down, the body's in there. And it wasn't until sort of like reading this, and there's a particular thing where like he keeps sort of saying that the guy is moving around the apartment. And then he sort of says the whole scene where he says about going to bed. He thinks the wife's ill, right? So he's he's deduced in his head, oh, the wife's just ill, and he's doing this stuff. He's sending her off because she's going off to the country to get better, that sort of thing. So he's packing some clothes for her, and all the lights go out, and he's like, oh, he's just oh, actually, he's like, oh, bless him, he's snuck into bed, you know. And all of a sudden, he's looking through the living room window, it's dark, and he just sees a match, lighting a cigarette, and he's yeah. like. What what's he doing in the dark smoking? And he realizes he's sleeping on the sofa. And then he's like, that's when he starts to question. And then when he sort of realizes he's murdered, and in my head I'm going, oh, he's feeling like this guy's really disturbed because the body is still in the bedroom. 
Yeah, he is. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I did not clock that for the whole of the story. I'm going like, it's, and then I'm watching the, and then, you know, going back and watching bits of Rear Wind, and I'm like, and Raymond Burr is wonderful at this. And he, as oh. I watch back, there are moments he looks towards us. No, looks towards the bedroom. So he looks like across. Oh the yeah, pub. yeah. No. And I'm going like, oh, like because they show here, they sort of suggest that he's dismembered the body and all this. Like, the, Correct. The, yeah, yeah. In the film, but I'm like, oh, like, like the, the something's still in that room. Like he cannot go in there yet. Yeah, and that went, yeah, it's like the guilt. It's the, yeah. It's the you know very Poe right. It's the it's the heartbeat under tell, the tell heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tell heart. Yeah. And that, but in in this, it was in the, it was in the the book in the story that it really hit me when I was yeah. like, you know, whatever the reason for the murder, you know, we'll get to that. But whatever the reason for the murder is, like, this is he's not like a psychopath. Like he's not gonna have done it, and then he's carrying on his just like this is really really disturbed this guy. Like he's really upset by it in some way. Like he's he's barely holding it together, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that just makes this even more. Like you know, there's this darker, there's just a sort of an edge to it that really kind of got under my skin. Um, nice, yeah. And, well, and I think, well, it, it is dark, and there's also then it all. You could flip it though and say it wasn't planned. It was the after. Oh, it's a crime of passion, kind of like premeditated. Yeah, yeah. But there is also the thing with the girlfriend yeah. in here. So it, so that's again. Un, so who's telling the truth? Is Lars? Is is Lars and his new girlfriend that they plan this and he's guilty about it? Like he was like, if she would have just divorced me, I wouldn't have to kill her, you stupid broad. Yeah. Is that what he is that what Lars is thinking? Or was it a crime of passion? And she finds out about the girlfriend and and she tries to hit him and he stops her. And he's because right, she, we think she's sick, but she's definitely smaller than him, regardless whether she's sick or not. Mm. There's a there's a size difference between them. And again, great casting with Raymond Burr. Um, who was, by the way, younger than Jimmy Stewart at the filming of that film, which there was a zero percent chance you'd believe that when you see Raymond Burr in that movie, he is definitely yeah. a sweaty mime. And yeah. um, he only talks like three times the whole, the whole thing, but he is looking bad. But but so it does. It gives you that idea of is it a crime of passion? Is it was it premeditated with the new girlfriend, or is it now that he's done it, he's like oh shit. And and is the girl and again unreliable narrator. So is Jeffries? Is that really a girlfriend? Is it just like somebody? He's like, hey, lady, I'm going to give you this twenty. You're going to go up and you're going to say this. Don't ask any questions. There's another fifty in in there for you. Mm. Whatever you know, you don't know. But he's again, just like you said, he never sees it. All of this is just him filling in the gaps. He yeah. thinks, oh, she's sick, and so she's off to the country and and whatever. He doesn't know anything. He even tells you, and he tells you in the, the most true thing he says is in the opening line. I don't know anything about these people. No, I don't know their names. I can barely make out their faces. You know, because it's not as close. Well, as that's it is. All right, that's yeah. and that's a really good point because one of the things that happens later, which again they do in the film, so the, the film follows the plot of this relatively closely till sort of the end. You know, yeah. there's there's beats and stuff. Um, but one of the things is that, that like in order to get a reaction out of him, like he gets a note because again, it's the Grace Kelly girlfriend in the film, but he has he just has sort of like a friend in this yeah they split her up it's sam who's his yeah. like so he's injured and so sam comes over and kind of brings him his food and brings him his breakfast and gets the paper and in the movie it's stella who's the insurance yes. company nurse which that is a weird thing i have been visited by an insurance company nurse <laughs> yeah. before when we got life insurance like they have to come 
That's not what they do. Just for the record, yeah, in America, they're not that that's friendly. not at all. When they came in and took, they did this stuff to Lee and I for us to get our life insurance. It wasn't that. They're not making you eggs and stuff. They're like, sit down, do this. They hate their job. They're driving around. I mean, they're fine. Nursing is. And anyway, so yeah, they split it up into Stella and um, mm. Lisa. Lisa, they yes. Split her, okay, yeah. yeah, they split Sam into two into two characters. But it is he needs help. You know, because I mean, like he, you said, he needs you mentioned earlier about the macho y macho-ness. This is he's not. No. He can't be. No matter what kind of great shape he's in or whatever, he's trapped. And so he's 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 got to rely on the help of others. So yeah, Sam yeah. is just like some guy from around who brings him his breakfast. And just so a he's friend. He's this a... poor guy in. Yeah. And he sends <laughs> him over years. to He said they've been friends for ten years. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're right. kind of like they're kind of like friends that are kind of like they're still friends but kind of tired of each other a little bit. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, he sa- he sends him over with the note, doesn't he? That just says, yeah. "I know what you know." Basically, I know what you did, and then he follows it up with the phone call, and again, sort of like to get his reaction. And I love the bit he's watching him to get the reaction, and he sees the reaction. And he's like, "Yeah, guilty!" Like he watches that reaction. Yeah. He's like, "He's guilty," and then he, but instantly he's like, "But I can't tell the police because he's got a friend who's a policeman, yeah. a detective." He's like, "Well, I can't tell him because he'll think I can't just say." But the look on his face. So he, he acknowledges that he still needs like hard evidence. But th- this is off the back of um, his detective friend has, without a warrant, I want to I want to just note, has gone into this guy's apartment and had a look around and been like, yeah, there's no evidence. Like, you know, there's nothing going on here. Like, you know, there's nothing to investigate. We've actually sent somebody up to look for the trunk. They've seen the trunk. There was nothing in it. You know, we've even met uh, Mrs. Mrs. Thor- Thorwald, Thor- yeah. yeah, we've met her, like you know, um, but he's still like, no, 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 I'm not crazy. Like, there's something going on here, and this guy's guilt, and so it's that little bit of madness, isn't it? Where he's sort of like, yeah. he's not willing to believe like reality. Everything in reality is pointing to the fact that there is no murder, but yeah, he's like, no, 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 I know better. Um, which is, you know, I think as you were saying about, um. Lee, she was saying that, like, you know, yeah. Jeffries is a bit of a dick in the film. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, well, he's a bit of a dick. He says, in this, too. But, yeah, because in that line where he says, oh, yeah, send a better detective. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm breaking <laughs> the law. I'm a cop. Yeah. I'm doing all this shit for you. That translates from book to movie. And you're like, maybe he's not a great cop. You know what I mean? Like, you're. It, yeah. You're... <laughs> well, it's kind of like, I, I like the fact that like, it, it translates <laughs> to sort of a bit more like banter in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is still that sort of like, you know, there's a snidiness to it that I think like, you know well, I know everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and the detective's just sort of giving him a bit of a like a boyone is sort of just going like, Yeah, look, I'm giving you some time of day, but I've got real crimes yeah. to solve. Because you're my you. friend who's trapped in this you've been trapped here for weeks. I feel bad for you. Yeah. 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 Um it starts as he's humoring him. Exactly. Yeah. Um but, but it, it does go around Scott, around. it had to be murder. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> let's, let's, let, let's talk about the ending, though. Yeah, of, please. Of I think it's a great payoff. Yes. Do you think, and this is what I want to say, do you think this is a better payoff than the film? Yes. Mm. I do. Because he solves the crime. I mean, he sort of does it in the film, but then that's just a red herring. Um, you know, where he's like, you got to look at your eyes, got to see here. And they're doing, because he's a photographer, so they're doing that scene. Yeah. 
the payoff in the so people listen if you haven't read this yet pause now we're about to tell you how he solves the crime at the end so it turns out that the building and they're adding they're trying to add dropped floors yes. and so they're pouring concrete and so the building is built in a way that he didn't notice that when you go from the living room to the bedroom you step down which means every floor has a step down which means mm. when you're in your living in your bedroom the ceiling is lower yes and so you could and he didn't notice it. And so it takes him a bunch. And he's seen it several times. And it's only at the... So that's how he realizes... Well, he says it at one point. He sees two people walking. Is it like an estate agent and a, yeah. a, a, a tenant walking about? And he says, oh, there's something off. Upstairs. He, and the yeah. one upstairs. Yeah. And he says, oh, there's something off. But he doesn't quite clock what it is. Yeah. 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 And, and it's that the floor steps down, which mm. means if the floor steps down, that in the bedroom, you could reach into that floor. So the body is actually upstairs. It never yes. leaves the it never leaves the building, which is why he can't go in the bedroom. Correct, because the like you said, the body's still in the bedroom, but it isn't. So that's why when Jeff when when Doyle Boy, what's his name in this? It's not it's Doyle in the one and Boyle mm. goes in and um Boyne when Boyne goes in and he checks, there's no body, there's nothing there. And when Sam sneaks in, there's nothing there. They can't find the body because it's not technically in that apartment anymore. No. So. Good. I thought that was really like yeah. Dame Agatha Christie would be like, bro. Oh no, that yeah, that's well, that's almost like that's like a, a you know, what is it like? That's that's like Edgar and Poe with sort of like you know, yeah, um, walling somebody up in the you know, in, oh, in the, cast of Amontillado, yeah, yeah, no that shit. sort of yeah. thing, or the Purloin letter, the Purloin yes. letter, right? That was the one. It's like right in front of you the whole time, and you just can't see it. That was it exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this is, I think the yeah, I do agree. I think the payoff in the book. In the in the story is better than the film, and I think, but I think there's a reason for why they chose what they did in the film. Yeah, um, probably because they can't. You know, there's a sort of there's a, an edginess, a darkness to this where you've got to sort of go and be digging up concrete to find the body. Yeah, which to be fair, like you know, I don't think I don't think uh, Hitchcock's shy of because he'll go to he'll get to Psycho and he's you know he's done other oh, things. Oh yeah, Psycho was before this too, wasn't it? No, this is fifty four. Psycho is nineteen sixty. Oh God! Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I just I do love this ending and the sort of. Like, I love you know... the ending. Well, and then there's this is the line like two, and this still goes back to it. So, um, he pro- this is he says uh, he probably insured her for all I could get, and then started to poison her slowly, trying not to leave a trace. I imagine and remember this is pure conjecture. She caught him at night, and the light was and the light was all um a- a- in that night. The light was on all night caught in some way or caught him in the act he lost it and it's like again it's pure conjecture but he's making it up where where he's rolling and yeah. he's and that's the part when you're reading you're like dude you even are saying out loud i don't know what the fuck happened i'm yeah. just gonna say it anyway it's crazy he it is. is crazy yeah yeah i'm not he's not just filling in the gaps like he's literally making up like a crime none of that you've never met these people you no. say in the opening line i've never met these people but you've created this whole life for them there's a sequel to this called just called guilty exclamation mark where he turns up at the it turns up at the court and he's like i saw it all <laughs> like, no you didn't you're not an eyewitness there is no i was that yeah. is also to me and again I don't think, and it's funny. We talk about we talk about these people. We talk about Poe. We talk about mm. um, Doyle. You talk about these Dame Agatha Christie. These people who are crime writers, but they're considered top tier crime writers. And yeah. it's like we've decided in pop culture, there's only a handful. Lovecraft, he can write weird, totally weird shit. Like if aliens drop down and we're like Lovecraft, they're like this makes. Although they're like, hey, we're in that book. They would have that makes no fucking sense. But the mm. world has decided 
Lovecraft is the weird guy we get to like, and like these other people you listed, we don't get. The world has decided Poe and Doyle and Dame, the Dame Christie, they're the ones we get. And so this guy, yeah. we don't care. We're throwing him off to the side. And it's crazy because this is really high quality writing. And and the people who've continued on, like writing Robert Parker's books, you know, after he's he's no longer with us and his his family has continued on the, the series with other writers. Those other writers say, it's fucking hard to write like him because he'll write, he is so efficient with words. Mm. So it's like, I'm used to being able to take 40 words to say, to explain 40 words. And Robert Parker took 15. And so I got to figure out, but because he writes so compactly, people call it trash. There's only room for so many. Well, we've already got Elmore Leonard. We don't need Robert Parker. You're like, well, but why can't, there isn't there room for both? So I feel like this goes back to this ending is so good. It is to me, it stands up with all those other names. Mm. Never heard of this guy. And I think it goes back to what you're saying. It's like pop culture decides, culture decides yes. who the winners are. Cornwell Wool- Woolrich isn't one of the winners because. Well, it's, yeah, yeah, just because. Exactly. I think there's, you, I like the way you sort of like, there's still a list of like, you yeah. know, five to, five to 10. And they go, well, we filled it. Yeah, but this guy's great. But, but the list is full. We're done. <laughs> yeah, we're there's done. No if, who are you going to take off the list? They're like, this yeah. isn't Mount Rushmore. The list. The world we keep making new art. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, Paul Simon masked, cornered folk singing. Paul Simon, there's Paul Simon and there's Bob Dylan. After that, nobody else gets to be a folk singer. You're like, but. But there's others. But why? Yeah. Why, why is that? You know, like you wouldn't think to do that. But no. With other forms of art. But for this, for especially for writing, you're like, especially when it's popular. If mm-hmm. it's pop- popular and people like it, if it's not and I'm sorry, writing a thr- this is hard. This yeah. is super hard. Like literary fiction, the stuff that wins the, the Booker Prize and wins the the those books usually aren't very good. Like <laughs> I am at this point where like all the books that win these awards, win the big national book awards, it's like, how uncomfortable can I make you? And then that means it must be good. Mm. You're like that. It can be complicated. This book, this short story is rife with character. It has, we're ta- we've talked about it for 25 minutes. We could talk about it for another hour. It's really well done. It's well crafted. It's well paced, all of that. But yeah. because it doesn't say nipple or because there's not something that just is weird about it for the sake of being weird. Yeah, I like what you're saying. There's a list. Oh, sorry, full up. We're all out of crime writers. Yeah. You're not invited. Well, it's, 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 I think the thing is, like you say, that thing of the one of the reasons with that list, and I think this comes back to. I'll, we'll get to the film in a second because I think yeah, Hitchcock. Yeah. Hitchcock is another is sort of like luckily I think has benefited from this in a similar way, but it's that thing of being able to repackage something. Something becomes a product, not just the art. So as you've said, like with Ag- Agatha Christie, I think Ag- Agatha Christie is a fantastic example of right. How many times can we publish the Poirot books or the Miss Marple books? Like, right, we're going to do it in this brand new. Oh, there's a like, um, what's his face? You know, he's got Kenneth a new Brunner. Kenneth Brunner. He's got another I one love coming his out. His take on Poirot. Oh, I, I do as well. Those. I love that those trilogy. Are, they're delightful. Yeah, yeah. I think they're. I do think they're great. But he's got another one coming out. Cool. Let's pre- reprint a bunch of new. You know, let's. Right, okay. of course. Yeah. Anything that, that with, how yeah. how many of her books could be sort of tangentially linked to sort of horror? or Halloween, cool, we're going to box them up and we're going to call them, like, Agatha Christie Dark, some yeah. shit like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think the one where the kid kills the whole family, that's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. you know what I mean? They'll, they'll, <laughs> that, but do you know what I mean? They'll, they'll package yeah. That's where they stay because they can be repackaged. 
And so mm. there's a list where everyone goes, we love that. We love, you know, I've, you know, Lovecraft's another example. Like He's great, right? yeah. He's amazing. I love Lovecraft. But like, okay, I've got like a complete collection. I've got another complete collection. Like, you know, I've got these different things and you go, because he can be repackaged. Oh, I've also got like two art books based on Lovecraft. Cool. I can be, can be repackaged. It happens because the name is recognized. So it stays at the top. And then you mm. get these sort of like these one-offs and these smaller ones where you're just sort of like, oh, no one's heard of this guy. But they're so actually amazing. So it must right. be bad. And that's yeah. the thing. It's like obscurity doesn't equal bad. No. I submit. Go hang out. Watch a busker. Mm. You can't do that. Like you are like, oh, it's just a busker. That's hard what the busker is doing. And oftentimes they can take requests. You can just shout like purple rain. And they're like, Bow! and you're like, what? You know what I mean? Like the, a busker standing on the street corner probably knows. 1500 songs and has probably written 200 songs but because you've never heard of her yeah you think she's just some random street musician maybe but in a different circumstance she's amy Mann. you know what i mean and it's like just for circumstance well and even... i love amy Mann, but you know what i mean like she's yeah. one bad day away from being just street busker right yes and so, right, if you're not, if nobody's heard of you, you must be bad. And I, and I, that's why, again, I think is I love that we're doing this series because it's like so far the short story writers are people nobody's really ever no, heard of. I don't and think it, we've done anyone particularly. We're, well, we're getting, we're going to get with to Candyman, some. Candyman, Clive Barker, and the next people one coming up. Yeah, yeah. The next one coming up is a pretty biggie, but yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. Um, yeah. But the point is like going back to Hitchcock. So we'll, let's yeah. transition to the film a little bit. Absolutely. Um, because I think I do think Hitchcock is Hitchcock is fantastic. Um, I, I love a lot of his films, um, but he's another one I think that people are like, oh, North by Northwest, or like you know, like Psycho, and or you know, Rear Window. Oh, these are the epitome. These are the best thrillers in this. And you go, yeah, they are. They're good, but like you know, they may have been superseded, not maybe superseded, but like they're up there with, you know, other sure. films that you sort of like. They're almost like you said, they sort of they're almost like protected because of they get like a status. No, uh, that's a great that's a great point. I mean, North by Northwest is magnificent. I'm not mm-hmm. here to I mean you and here's I'm the not thing bashing why. any of them. I'm really no, no, not. But here's but... the thing why this is also part of it, and this is we talked about it last time with Carpenter, is they could do stuff that they can't do now. Like yes. you gotta fly a plane at Cary Grant and film it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how you know why it looks like that? Because you know they why did that it. guy yeah. and you know why that fire in the thing looks so cool? Because John Carpenter lit that guy a fire. That's yeah. why it looks so cool because there's a person in there. That's <laughs> that's not great. But it is true. Hitchcock has been given and like we talked about his love for for Daphne Damare, who is it? Mm. But I don't I know that Rebecca won all the awards. I don't I don't think it's very good. I don't think the movie's very good. The book is exceptional. I don't think the movie and the remake of it, the one that they did recently with uh, Lily. I mean, uh, uh, Lily I James. Think. Yeah, Lily James, but yeah. the I can't even remember the guy from, he was in the Poirot movie too, the Lone Ranger guy. Oh, um, the kind of- Army Hammer. Yeah, yeah, Army, Army Hammer. Hammer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was not any good either. And it's yeah. like- Maybe that maybe that is an unfilmable. Maybe there's something too creepy about it. But again, like it's fine. Rebecca's fine. But I don't see what's so. And again, I people throw hate mail my way. But it's like this movie's way better than Rebecca. But again, it's like 
he did something. You catch that lightning in a bottle mm. and therefore you get to continue to do it forever. Or if the world says, we were talking off air, if the world says Zack Snyder's movies are bad, then there's just going to be people who are like, oh, it's a Zack Snyder movie. I'm like, fuck off. I mean, Sucker yeah. Punch, for all of its flaws, is visually amazing. Like, he just didn't understand. Like, he got out of his, he got in his own way there, but like, <laughs> which he does. Yeah, he does yeah. that. He gets it his own way. But like, nobody's made a perfect film, but like, no, yeah. um, maybe. Well, maybe. We'll, we'll, okay, one day maybe. we'll get to that. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. One, one thing I will say, and I think this is, this is something that Julian and I often sort of talk about on stories out of time and space. Yeah. I would rather watch a spectacular failure that swung for the fences than a yeah. boring film that everyone's like, Oh, but it's technically perfect. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, um, we were sort of lording up Howard the Duck. I'm like, yeah, Howard the Duck. All right, technically, it's all got all kinds of issues, but you know what? It's amazing. <laughs> like, it knows what it's doing. It, 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 it is having yeah. everybody's, and I think it's on the back of Tim Robbins and Leah Thompson's performances. Like, yeah, they yeah. were having all the fun in that ridiculous film. They're like, are we? Were there duck boobs in this movie? What are we doing? <laughs> like, is Leah Thompson is she going to bang Howard at the end of that movie? Like, it's weird. And they know it's weird. And it's yeah. like arguably one of Lucas's, I mean, it is his biggest failure, right? But it should be his legacy is what I right, say. Right? You know what I mean? He should be super, super proud of it. He's yeah. like, yep, this is Star Wars, American Graffiti, Howard the fucking Duck. Yeah. But you know, in all three of those cases, he did something that no one else was doing at the time. Exactly. Exactly. Swinging yeah. for the fence. No, I think that's exactly right. And again, I don't think I'm not here to shit on Hitchcock, but you're right. He, I agree. He is definitely, uh, he, he's Hitchcock. Yeah. Well, he's technically brilliant, and I think that's the thing. One of the things I will say about this film, and I'm not saying oh. he's boring. Like, there's, there's this film. I think is tense, and I think it works incredibly well. I think Jimmy Stewart is charismatic. Yes, cranky. Grace Kelly is like an angel. Like, I an angel. She's yeah. Like she seriously, is, she's 25 years old when they made this film. I, like. She died at 50, remember? Yeah. Which is horrific and tragic. But she, like, you see what a superstar she could, was. Yeah. I mean, she, she Oh, her charisma, her, yeah. her, her sex and charisma is off the charts. But what uh, we're not going to talk about age differences between men Correct. and women in yeah. Well, let's put that aside because it's problematic and, you know, And, he, and Jimmy been. Stewart's character says something. When the, yeah. when the Lonely Hearts, Mrs. Lonely Hearts brings a guy home, she's like, hey, isn't he a little young? We're like, Dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were twenty-one when yeah. Grace Kelly was born. Let's calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chill your beans, mate. Chill your beans. Um, <laughs> one of the things I love about this film is, um, and we're talking about, you know, you say about sort of like North by Northwest and this idea, yeah. of pr- the practical of this. Ah, this film has probably one of my favorite sets of all time. We talked about it. he built this. Yeah, it's un. They don't. They would never do something like this again. They would no. take a bunch of exterior shots from a bunch of different buildings and edited it together. Yeah, it is. We watched the remaster to our DVD. We mm-hmm. got it from DVD from the library, and it is scrubbed up. And it even at the end credits, like remastered by this person. I'm like, bravo. Yeah. Oh, well, I watched the. I watched it on the HD version on on Prime. Yeah. Seriously, it's it's it looks fantastic. But that set as a physical set, it has. Um, it has sort of like space, you know, it it has a tactile nature to it. You know where everybody lives. 
and the, all the characters have a place in it. Um, and I just, I just think it works so, so well. Um, it, it, it sort of looks like a set to begin with, but I get so pulled into this that I'm like, like you said, like, you know, Miss Torso, the the ballerina that lives up the, in the That's top. That's how it apartment. starts with, the, yeah, with yeah. the typical Hitchcockian leer at a pretty blonde lady, just yes. so we know she's going to take and, her top or put her top on. Yes, and then she's so like doing ballet with the, yeah. her legs up and all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, but below her lives sort of like you know, um, the sort of the one of this older woman, and you got then you got Miss Lonely Heart. So they give them all names. Then you've got yeah. the couple that sleep out on the balcony because it's so hot, it's so hot. Yeah. And they've got their little dog, um, and the musician who has the apartment that overlooks the whole thing. Like and then you've got this other couple. Just it's all that you. It's you know it's it's brilliantly well done. Like it's a living set. I, I think it's fantastic. The music. I want to bring that up because mm. of the way he designed the set the music is the music like yes. there's no score except for the music when the musician's playing and that's like again you can only get away with that and i would submit i was there that that guy i'm sure they they laid it in over i'm assuming they were actually playing that music like that oh, was I, part, I assume of, so. part I, of the yes. ambiance like of the of it it's like and his has the his his windows pop out so it even makes like the music lord over them a little bit more yes. it is I know. I mean, I'm assuming it won something for set design because it is I, exceptional. I know. If, it, if it didn't, it massive miss on that front. <laughs> right. Oh. But um, one of the things I was I was I'd forgotten about in this film because they each have a life. Like each of these people have a life, and each gets to do something. To us, well, they pick them out, and some of it's some of it's like jokey, and some of it's a bit more serious, and some of it's actually very heartwarming. Forget the murder plot, right? Let's just talk. You know, so that we'll, we'll get to that quickly. But I, I just want to cover off the jokes. Those, we talked about Miss Torso, the ballerina. The fact she keeps getting, yeah. she's getting all these visitors and sort of these people trying to sort of like, you know, producers or just she has like, let's say, male admirers attending her thing. At the end of the film, basically, Sergeant Bilko turns up and that's I her love husband. It. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he's like a foot shorter than her. Yeah. And it's, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. And he's like, you know, Hi, honey. And she's like, oh, you're home. And it's just, and she's like, oh, the army did you wonders. And she yeah. pats the stomach. So not only was he short, he was fat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, love it. I love so, it. So I love I, that. And we talked about this with Carpenter. And Lee and I talked about this last night if we watched it. And again, just for the record, you can send all the hate mail at me. But she was yeah. like, he's a bit of a dick. But again, purposeful. But yes, 100%. He's a bit of a dick. But the one thing we talked about is, well, there are a few places, again, I'm not going to sell tell Hitchcock lawyer to cut things this is just under two hours it probably could have been like 145 there's a couple of couple of moments and they're all with Jimmy that we could cut I wouldn't cut a fucking thing about that again slow first act we spend a half an hour getting to know all these characters they don't have names we only find out Thor Thorwald's name because of nefarious purposes the only names we know are his you know the detective him Stella and Lisa and that's it and he says Lisa weird Lisa it's his s not a z James Mm. And um, but the we spend a half an hour getting to know the neighborhood, and you fucking care. You talk about yeah. not everybody having their own story. Like you're genuinely stressed out. There's a moment towards the end with Mrs. Lonely Hearts that is That's like disconcerting, and yeah. I was like, people, fuck everything else. Go and, to and, her. And go to her. And Stella is sort of doing that, but then there's a distraction. But it's like you care about her. You never hear her speak until the very end. 
and but she mimes some things. There's a lot of you know miming, and again, Miss Lonely Hearts is another I, I because I love the fact they've got like nicknames for them. Yeah, um, which is great. But like yeah, Miss Lonely, she she she's a, a spinster. That's quite that you know for it's like you know. And again, uh, I looked it up. She's one year younger than Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> She was he was born in nineteen oh eight and she was born in nineteen oh nine and they're yeah. like one foot in the grave, old lady. Yeah, like, like you know, she was forty five. That's it. They've written her off. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> but she has like she has like a date that goes wrong. I mean, it's a different culture, isn't it? It's the fifties, but yeah. um, she has a date that sort of like you know doesn't quite go well, and so the guy storms out, and then you like all of a sudden they're just watching Thornwall, you know, sort of like what's going on, and you say Stella sort of notices and says, "Well, she's got." these tranquilizer pills like and he's like what well, you know were you sure he's like i've given enough of those to sort of like put the whole of like my, you know new york to sleep for a, a, the winter um and then she to get distraction but you're like no 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 she's not she's about to commit suicide like yeah. do something stop what you're doing this is more yeah. important that lady's already dead hurry yeah uh yeah but and grace then... kelly was in peril yes there so... is so that was yeah. it. Swings around. Yeah. Swings around. Right. But, yeah. but she's saved because she hears the music. Correct. And I love that. That this is there's a connection there. So the musician who plays his music and then and then at the end of it they do, they make a connection and like... And then you hear them talk. And the cool thing about the musician is again the story that builds. At the beginning, it's just him alone and his playing and he's mad and he's throwing stuff mm. down and you can't quite get it right. And it keeps getting better. And then there's two people listening to him. And then the next time you see him, there's like five people. Yeah, and yeah. then there's a whole party and you're like, oh, shit, he's celebrating. And it's never said that that's what happened. Mm. And then it comes and then at the end, they're playing the record. I mean, it's like you see him like working it out and there's musicians playing with him, but it's all just happening there. And you yeah. care. And it's all from that slow first act and you couldn't and this is why Hitchcock is Hitchcock can't get away with that there's only a handful of directors who could say and I think Scorsese can get away with it but I think fuck you dude your movie doesn't need to be three hours I'm not going to watch it but four there's a hand- I think it's probably it doesn't What's that? four hours it doesn't well, need I'm not going to watch hours. it I Jesus. don't give a shit like yeah. again this movie was two hours long I cared about everybody and but there's only a handful I think of directors left who mm. can take their time like this and this was how everything was just done. And we talked about Carpenter did it and they live. It's a 30 minute first act when nothing happens. Mm. But if if you if you're not gonna have that, then you don't care about the people in the camp. You don't care that Roddy wants to save the world. Yeah. In this, if you don't spend that 30 minutes, then none of it matters. Yes. And it's so well done. And it's like well, it's I, I don't know. I just, I'm so impressed. No, uh, yeah, it's it's not. It... The thing I'm mo- most impressed about is not only that I say this is the solid first act, but it follows through. Mm. Because the other thing yes. is, like, so many directors would have that first act and everyone would laud the first act, but then they'd focus on the main plot and everything else would just fall away. Oh, but, right. Okay. But, th- but through this, throughout the film, those the, the point of this film is, you know, yes, you're following... Um, let me put this way, you're following... Um, Jeff's story that's what you're following because it's the murder mystery it's the most important one but as you say there's a there's a musical drama going on in another apartment that you could be following yeah you know yeah and there's, her and Miss Torso is, is there's a romantic we comedy at the end there's a romantic yeah, she's comedy like fending going. off all these men yeah. who are you know and she's married yeah so you have like no romantic, idea yeah that's it the romantic comedy of a ballerina trying to sort of like you know Keep her honor, like going on in the other in another. And apartment. there's an exotic romp or erotic romp with the newlyweds. Yes, 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the newlyweds. So there's a there's another there's, yeah there's a romance film about the newlyweds or whatever. Like you know, th- so th- there's there's like four of the movies going on. <laughs> there are, and, and you the, and you buy them, and they yeah, matter. Exactly. Um, and so yeah, I I just find this whole thing sort of like you know so well structured that it all matters. Um, but you're just following this one interaction. It's the most important. Granted, like you know, it's about murder. But um, I just love that. I just, I know, yeah, I, I just wanted to highlight how great the set is and how well it, it's utilised. And I just think, no, I don't think any modern director would follow through in the same way that I think that Hitchcock does. Um, and would a modern director put a dog in a basket 30 feet up and roll it down <laughs> in a, really? <laughs> that CG, with, that CG happened. Dog. Uh, little CG dog, yeah. 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 I'm surprised, this is practical, I'm surprised he didn't actually kill a dog as well when the, cause the dog gets killed. And um, the dog dies. They yeah, were like, you know, yeah. Hitchcock's like, well, I like authenticity. Snap. You know, yeah, so. I assume that didn't happen. This is not um, to kill a mockingbird. Gregory Peck did not. Gre- I still am convinced Gregory Peck kills that dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, have you Quite possibly. 100%. I feel yeah. like Gregory Peck killed that dog. I don't believe anybody, you don't see anybody kill the dog, but they keep putting a dog in a basket. And mm. that is, again, the couple that's sleeping out on the, and they genuinely mm. like each other and they seem yeah. happy and whatever. And you get to fill in their life. Like, they, Maybe they don't have any kids, and that's why they have the puppy, but they love each other. They sleep next to each other outside on the balcony. Like, it's hot. Instead of, like, I'm going to sleep outside, you, they go out there together because well, that's, they're that's hot. You, at first, you think it's just the husband, don't you? Like, I know, and then she sits up. And then up she and sits up, and you're like, yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh, they're together. Like, he's not been kicked out. So, yes, uh, uh, brilliant. Um, but it does sort of tangle into the plot as well, because obviously at the heart of this is Lars... Um, Thorwald. Yeah, Christ. Raymond Burr. Um, you, sweaty, you, sweaty yeah. Raymond And yeah. I know it's hot, and at the beginning it starts with Jimmy Stewart's sweaty head, but then we we leave. That's the one thing he doesn't follow through, except mm. for Raymond Burr. And I believe, like, they're like, let's just say it's really hot, so the windows have to be open. That's the thing. But also, like, let's let's cast Raymond Burr, because no matter what the temperature is, he's going to be sweaty. Yeah, yeah. It looks hot. <laughs> he makes it look hot. The, it makes the, you feel warm all the time. Yeah. The set's he actually doesn't even freezing. have, it's not bearded Raymond Burr. This is yeah. young Raymond Burr, and he's still just heat radiates off that guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. He looks uncomfortable in the clothing he's in, let's be fair. Like, <laughs> he really it. looks uncomfortable. He really does. Yeah. Um, if anyone needed some linen trousers, it's Raymond Burr in the 50s. That's what he oh needed. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but like I said, the character he plays, there is a sort of like a manic... Um, nervousness that comes across like throughout and i love the way he plays it like because he, he's a big guy like you say but he never comes across evil is how i would say like he never comes across like you know the things he does seem to be out of necessity like whatever's happened whatever reason he killed his wife like you know with a kind of passion or premeditated or whatever like everything else seems out of desperation after that yeah um, and he seems like a desperate man, like you know, when he when sort of like they send him the no, and when he catches when he catches Grace Kelly in his apartment, the confrontation is him panicked, yeah, rather yeah. than him being like, "Oh, you're in my house," you know, I'm angry. It's like, oh shit, somebody legit knows something's up. Yeah, and that honestly is 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 again because he's. Raymond Burr is an excellent actor, and Grace mm-hmm. Kelly is is as well, and and I feel like that is really tense. That's a really tense scene, and it's 
it's juxtaposed to the scene just before with Miss Lonely Heart's gropey date. Yes. Um, he thought she thought they were coming home for a nice nightcap and maybe a little, you know, little kissy on the couch. And he thought they were coming home to fool around and have sex. And she was not ready for that. Mm-hmm. So she kicks him out. But that was a really tense scene. And and she's stressed out to the point where she's about to kill herself. And that's all happening. And then this happens next. And so you just see those two scenes. And like the reason that you see, again, good filmmaking. Here's this latch who comes in and is taking advantage of this old old spinster and uh whatever <laughs> jesus christ and then but then up here you see this guy and you know she smacks him and he sends mm-hmm. him away and and he you know storms off whatever and then you you see this other scene here where he's not you're right he's not being aggressive he's being defensive he feels lars feels attacked yes by lisa being there and his his space has been invaded and he's he's in full-on panic mode and again so you just so again great setup and if we did spend time down here with them like you said if if they had forgotten about these other characters and then suddenly cut back to them for no reason you're like who is that again mm. but this is like it's like and that but because we stayed with it it is it is a we're set up we've just been conditioned to think one thing is going to happen yeah um, and then something different happens and so it's it plays with our expectations and it's just it brilliantly well done um the, the, the other one he, on that... It is. And because of the way he shoots it, whether it's done in a take or not, it can move up. Because like you said, that set is a character. Yeah. 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 Well, that's... I think you say about that, the, 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 the use that you can do panning shots. He does all kinds of... Like, you can pan up the buildings, pan around, like... And um, I'll get... I'll, 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 there's a, I have a memory that I'll get to in a bit, but... Um, no, I want to hear that. Yeah. But the, 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 we talked about in the novel... And, sorry, in the in the story... How there's the scene of the the chain smoking, and how mm. I sort of like you know I was saying about how it makes you feel, but that again is done incredibly well and so so creepily done in the oh. film when it's just sort of like the blinds down and then two windows are open but they're black like it's just black in there. there's no light whatsoever like and and Jimmy Stewart sort of sat there at his window it's night you know and it's sort of like his windows are open he he's looking for him he's like well, what's going on and all of a sudden you just see that little red glow at the end of a cigarette it's It's so good it's so so good and it's framed perfectly in the center of the window in the center of the camera and you're just like it's and that's when he's staring but back you know it's yeah yeah, it's not like it's super you 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 know there is someone sat away from that window and it's so like yeah, it's so well done because he's like, "Is he there? Is he gone?" And you just see that light, that just that cigarette, and you just like, "Oh, just that single little bit of light," and it's just um, creepy as hell. But that's when you, that that was in my head when having read the story. I'm going mm. like, "He's he's up because he's in a state of panic. He's anxious. He's really in. If the body's still there, like." He's he can't go anywhere in his apartment. Like, he's still racked with nerves and guilt about this whole thing, and it starts to put this whole film in a different light to me. Yes, it's murder, but still, like this feels more like a desperate man that's had a bit of. A, he's fucked up, and he's a desperate man rather than this is a genius murderer or a serial killer. Like this isn't right. Hannibal he's not Lech. Moriarty. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's well said. Yeah, it's not. You're not hunting a. I mean, you are trying to catch a thief or catch a murderer, mm. but you're not 
right? It's not a serial killer. He's not going to do this again because he doesn't kill. He's got enough time. He's big. Raymond Burr is, again, excellent casting. And Grace Kelly is not an imposing figure Mm. in any way, shape, or form. And so, like, Raymond, if if he were if he were just a serial killer, he was just out for murder. As soon as he caught her, he could have just snapped her neck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, self-defense and, or like you know, right? She broke into my house. Right? Yeah. Well, she was in his. I mean, he could do it. I mean, in Florida, where I live, you could just shoot the person and say self-defense. You're in my house. I mean, people shoot each other. They have we have a weird fucking bullshit stand your ground law. Whereas mm. if oh, you feel yeah. threatened, you can just shoot somebody. Yeah. So he could have said she. Li- I mean, but in this case, she was literally in his apartment. Mm. Yeah. Right. And in the story, Lars has a gun. Mm. There's no gun in this, which no. again, and I think that was smart because in that moment, he would have had he would have shot her. And so yes. they, yeah, you're not going to kill Grace Kelly. No, people. remove yeah, remove the guns like this because I think it makes it so much more tense. But that's it the point. So that's, does yeah, yeah, you're right. But that's my point. Like this whole thing is, um, it's not about like a seasoned killer. This isn't a, a, a brutal, vicious man. This is someone that's fucked up and he's sort of like panicking about the whole thing about what do we do about it? Um, they have the whole thing again. We have the detective who doesn't, doesn't believe him, goes in and you know, never look around and that sort of thing. But then we get to the end. Let's just get to the end of, you know, this is what we're going to. And don't forget your memory. You, you got to tell us that too. Is that yeah, oh yeah. come now well, or is that come after this? I don't want to forget it. No, okay. no this, I will do it now because okay. I want it, it links to the set. So okay. the first the first time I watched this film, I was eleven. Okay. And I know that because I watched it when I was in Florida. Oh, um, and I, we'd gone with my family for Halloween Horror Nights. So it was in October, and um, we had my my dad was like, you know, you got to watch this film, All right? And so we watched it when we were in the, the we were in like a I can't remember a hotel where the hell we were, but I watched it somehow, and um. When you go to Universal Studios back then, so this is like for me, this is like 30 years ago. Christ. <laughs> What's 30? <laughs> so three, three, you better watch out, Miss Lonely Hearts. Yeah. Three, yeah. Three decades, man. Anyway, they had one of the things they had was a, because they obviously had the Psycho House and they have, um, you know, they had Earthquake and all that stuff. But one of the things they had was Rear Window. And you'd go into an experience where you would stand at a fake, like a window set, and you would look out over um, this setup, this set, like a model okay. of this set. And each window had video, like each one, each of the, the windows was like a little screen, or most of them were, and they'd have things playing. And so you would stand and you would watch this and it would have like Miss Torso and whatever. And then all of a sudden you'd hear a scream or something and you'd have to look around for it and that sort of thing. That's amazing. Yeah. It was just part of a thing. All I have is this memory of of seeing that. So to listeners, if you, if you saw this and you have experienced it, I'm sure it was Universal Studios because that's where the, that's where the psycho house was, isn't it? That's where they had the. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was there. I, I I have this really solid memory of I watched Rear Window. That is so cool. And then we went to Universal Studios like days later, and I was like, "Oh, that's what this is." So that was. It was very very cool, and I I sort of remember that fondly. Um, that is such a good. And again, those are things to me. That is a really. And I hate amusement parks. I mean, I live an hour and a half, two hours away from there. I could go anytime. And Florida residents mm-hmm. gets discount, but like that's a lot of people, and it's my own personal hell going to Orlando. But 
that is such a cool that's way cooler than like whatever you're like let's turn it into like brian reagan does this joke about batman the ride well it's like there's no he's like that was just like the movie except there were no characters and plot structure (laughs) or anything it's a roller coaster with exactly Yeah, where it's just like we're calling it penguins, whatever, because you're hanging upside or, you know, Batman's whatever, because you're hanging upside down. That's dumb. Just call it whatever. You don't need to do the branding, but it's just extra branding. But like that is cool. Like Mm. that is a cool thing to do to be like, this is what this is like. And this is what that's tension. And if you're there at, you know, at at Universal Studios, it shouldn't be. I mean, yes, there's rides or whatever, but it should be about that. It should be almost like that was was my thing. it, It was, I think. And I, you know, I haven't been to Universal since the early 2000s but yeah that 90s um universal and sort of part of design, but like the jaws ride confrontation where like you went on something you were you were on a cable car and you were chased by you saw kong going through nice the city. nice earthquake where you were on a tube car and the water comes down like it's an experience like it yeah. wasn't a ride you were experiencing the movies that's what i remember from like universal studios and then um, there's bullet where they give you a car and let you kill a bunch of people while driving really fast. That's, no, yeah, that would, that's just that'd the, be amazing. That's yeah, that'd be just amazing. a whole street where they just yeah. let you drive around like a maniac. GTA, the game, <laughs> uh, the, the, the ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The French connection, the ride. No, yeah. no. <laughs> um, anyway, go back to, so let's yeah, get sorry. to the end of the film. But that okay, was the, the end memory. of the film. So yeah. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. That is just super cool. I, mm. I'm, I'm envious that you got to experience that and that your dad was like, setting you up for it again he's yes. like knowing you were going to do that so he's like you need to experience it fully you need to be creeped the fuck out by this so you can go there and yeah that's so cool yeah amazing um so yeah the end of this film it, it plays different um yes there is no drop floor um nope. doesn't work. um and it sort of it's it sort of becomes more of a confrontation um so You've had Grace Kelly as Lisa has been caught. There's the police have been involved again, um, and again he's sort of been told to back off a little bit um, and go to continue. And I'm trying to remember it now in my head. I'm trying to put the, the the events in order. But he basically, like, basically, after everything, Raymond Burr's um, Lars sees because um, his left his lights on. Yes. Yeah. He sees Jeffries in in the windows and stuff, and starts to he himself figures it out um you know in response and so um he goes after him and so yes very michael myers of him yeah very purposefully (laughs) and that's what i love about this where it's sort of like it's not rage is in like he's not racing across the thing to sort of stop him it's sort of like he 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 knows because i think he's still sort of he's still in that anxious state still panicking but it's almost like frustration. Like you tried to blackmail me, or like you've made because this... he doesn't know it's reciprocal. Like he doesn't know what we know. Just like we don't know. Like Jeffries really doesn't know what the fuck's going on over there. We never find no. out why he kills his wife, which I think is genius. Mm. But like he's like, why the fuck are you fucking with me? Mind your own goddamn business. Yeah, you fucking people. So right. So he's like, because up to that point, he definitely think because he the fake out is that it was blackmail he blackmails him to get him out of the apartment yes so stella and and um lisa can go over there yes yeah yeah he, he tells him to go meet him somewhere and and that'll you know give them half an hour or so to search the apartment but this is where and I, i'm 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 not going to ding much or if anything of this film 
but I love it. There's um, the again, the sets in this film are great, but the set of Jeffrey's apartment and that you spot it early on is the door to the, the, the door to his apartment is raised up and is in shadow. So that when you first meet Lisa, Grace Kelly's character, she enters the apartment and she's sort of like in shadow. And then she steps out and she's this radiant beauty. And you're just like, Oh shit. Like how the hell have you hooked her? Like, you know, <laughs> you, you're cranky old git. Um, but when when uh, Lars comes in, he's just this sort of like silhouette of an imposing figure. Um, but it acts both ways. And this is why I think, again, this is so clever. Um, because it, it allows you to have this like domineering silhouette of a figure that you know we know is a killer, or we're still assuming is this killer. But also, there's a practical reason for it in the film. Because he is in the dark, his eyes are obviously used to the dark, and then yeah. Jeffrey's, you know, Jimmy Stewart's character, Jeffrey, uses a flash bulb on him that blinds him. Um, now, this is where I'm going to ding it slightly. Fool me once. <laughs> right. He does it four times in a row. Is it four? And just keeps coming. And what's even, what's even better is he sees that, like, Jeffrey's is covering his eyes. Yeah. And so he's like, Maybe I should do that. Like, there's yeah, no attempt. He, he just yeah. keeps walking, Michael Myers style, into yeah. the flash bulbs, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious by the fourth one. Um, yeah, I love this setup because early on we see he's in his wheelchair. His nurse Stella's like, "Quit sleeping in the chair." Grace is lounged down on his bed all the time. So it's mm. a small apartment. It's just like it's a, it's like a studio, right? He, yes. he can't go yeah. many places. The kitchen is off to the side. There's a bathroom here. And again, it's a step down. So again, it's like, there's the step down. There's the dropped floor. Like, so you built it, but it's just in the wrong apartment. But again, yeah. it's fine. So, but it is that because he's in a wheelchair. And there's that, the reason that it, it's good with his deliberateness is it builds up the tension as, as, um, as Jeffries is trying to figure out what the fuck he can do. And he's like, can I get up? Can I move? Can I not? Whatever. And they do it very cleverly. The break in his leg goes all the way up to his waist and you see yes. it and again good writing earlier you see him he has to take his shirt off and you see that his the, that his leg the cast all the way has up gone around his waist around his midsection to hold yeah, yeah. the weight of that because if it were just on his leg he'd be tipped over to one side so he can move mm. his left leg but his right leg has this thing around it and it's just for for balance but because of that um it doesn't allow him to he can't get up he can't get out yeah. of the out of the apartment in time and so um, it's just all really well crafted and again set design and everything. So I like that that he's kind of stuck and he's trying to pan he's trying to figure out where can I go and there's nowhere to go. I mean there's a no. bathroom that he can't even get in. I mean we never see him pee once, so I assume he's just wearing a diaper. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> just really, really stinky pajamas <laughs> at this point. But yeah, Grace Kelly just is into him. She sits on his lap all she the loves time. pissy old men. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Grace Kelly, pissy old man. That's her name. <laughs> um, that is why Hitchcock wanted her in because he's like, I hear you like pissy old men. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, yeah, it, it is. I agree. I think the set is is a part, back to your beginning about that the building design. But then you then then Jeffrey's apartment is the last thing because you you just could get again good storytelling, good mm. slow first act. You just get you you become acclimated to the space, and then you realize, oh fuck, he's trapped in there. Yeah, it's a cell that he's in. He's yeah. in a pit. Yeah. Yeah. But because everybody who comes through the door is the police officer, is Stella, or is Grace Kelly, you're like, well, that door is full of good. 
And then you're like, oh, fuck, no, <laughs> it is. And they never talk about the fact that the stairs are there, but they they rightfully so show enough people coming in and out that it's he's there. all they're always elevated. They're always mm-hmm. elevated. Like He can't take that door. Yeah. Um, yeah. We show you say really hand, handicap access. Not great in the 50s. No, no, not yeah. not at all. Yeah, that <laughs> building could not exist today. Yeah. Although I'm in New York, it probably. I mean, oh, sure, it still does. People in New York will like rent a closet to live in. Yes, and that's not even a joke. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah I've seen some of the apartments on online and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the Flash Wolves—they yeah. have a confrontation, um, and you know, uh, Jeffy starts sort of like shouting and screaming. Luckily, it sort of gets attention. Um, and but Raymond Burr basically pushes him out of the window. Uh, he hands he hands Gruber's his way down. Um, yeah, and uh, you know we find out there's a punchline to that which we get to. But he falls down. But the police have already arrived um, and are racing across. Um, and they've got Grace Kelly with them and all that sort of thing. So she's been sort of released and and because she's been taken in. Yeah. Um, but this is where they take in. Raymond Burr's character, they take Lars in. But you, you say, you're never entirely sure. I don't know. I was like, I don't, he's not, has he been arrested for this? You never find out if there's an actual murder. You never know. You never ever know. Well, the, the argument that they make, the supposition is that he buried the body in the flowers, no, or one of the parts, it, it, that he cut her up. Yes. The dog found that, and that's why he killed part the dog. Of, part of her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then then he had to dig it up and move her again. And there's this like, because he keeps coming in and out with his sample case because he sells costume jewelry, mm. and um, and so Jeffries is convinced that it's he's taking the body parts out. But then they do say something. He's going to take us on a tour of the East River. That's the line mm. that the, that Doyle says at the end. And so you're like, it's the East River. He's what, cut up and oh, put her in the river, like yeah, right. Well, guess what? You can take her on a tour of that, but nothing's going to be there because yes. yeah. It's a river. It flows. It didn't just sink. To, that's not how rivers work. That's why. You if his aim was really bad, it sort of sat on the slight right, beach. Right, just sitting yeah. there. He's like, "Yep, here's just her arm." I put. I've it I left an, an arm on the beat on this bench, and uh, yeah. there's a head I mean, on the wall. Like, right, we're just. She's just around. Yeah, and that's the argument that they are sort of making is that yeah, he's, he's admitted to doing everything. He's admitted to it. He's going to take us on a tour of the East River, but we never see it. It's never officially confirmed. Um. And then, and then, yeah, he falls and he lands on the police. Yeah. And then we cut to now both of his legs are broken. Yeah. And Grace Kelly is lounging about in his bed because they have this fight, this whole thing. She wants to marry his old man, pissy ass. And he's yeah. like, you're too perfect. Like he and Stella even have the arguments like she's too perfect. And you're like, yeah, yep. Yeah. She's, no disagreements. <laughs> she's got a job, right? Mm. She's a model. We see that. She's on the cover of Life magazine or whatever, as she should be. I mean, and, and he, he found that. I get so the he feeling. He took that photo. That's where he met her. Negative. That's, yeah, yeah, right. Because yeah. he's got the negative of her. And she wants him to go back and like quit being a war reporter and then come back and do the work that he did. That's how they met. And he's like, I'm not going to do that because she runs a magazine. Like mm. she's a mogul, right? She's rich. She's She's a person of means who does something that makes money. And she's like, I guess the only way I'm going to get to see you is if I buy the magazine that you work for. And she wants him to quit and come work for her and her magazine. Yeah. And he doesn't want to make less or work for his wife or whatever. And he's like, what are you going to do? You're going to run around. I'm going to do my, my Jimmy Stewart. You're going to run around in those heels. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you know, doing this whole shit. And then she does. Then the whole yeah. movie is her proving him wrong. 
Yes. And it's like, so again, that whole weird Hitchcockian sexism that at the end, like she, at the end, he's knocked out. He's got both of his, and she's reading like a book about traveling to one of the places like Nepal or something. Mm. He says they're going to go. And then she puts it down and picks up Bazaar and just reads the magazine that, you know, at the end. And that's how it ends. So, yeah. But there's this whole thing about like, she's going to stay with him and live in his shitty apartment because he doesn't want to go live in her super nice apartment. And take pictures of yeah. Let's let's be let's be clear. That relationship's not lasting that long. No, like yeah, they, they're, they're not they're not together. Yeah, that's got a, daddy issues. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, crazy. there's something wrong there, but it's not lasting. Um, <laughs> that 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 relationship is doomed, and it's it's evident. Like you know, he's right. She's too good for him. <laughs> and the film stop. and the film yeah and the film proves it repeatedly. <laughs> um, it what does. are these? Yeah, it does. Because, like you say, not only is she she's smart, she's like, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's brave, um, you know, she's supportive. Like she's just like, yeah, she she's graceful. A lobster dinner, yeah, to his house, yeah, she, she's amazing. Yeah, she um, she makes him listen. By the way, one of the things that's super distracting, and I have had brandy in my life, but I'm glad I don't course. drink it out of a snifter because what? they. It is like a five-minute scene of them all just shaking their brandy sifters, and at some point Lee goes, "Jesus Christ!" And we then he it. spills it on himself because yeah. he's like, "I don't know how to sniff." They're like, "Well, you definitely know how to do whatever this is." For yeah. and again, I, I know I did it's... think that was funny when they're all sort of like circling it around. I thought that was like, "Well, yeah, you know, that was a directing choice. That was that's clearly that a was, choice. That was that." And they're like, "Can we stop now?" And he's yeah, like, I'm, "Keep, I'm, keep doing I'm, it." I'm getting repetitive strain injury. <laughs> so weird um, um yeah but no she is awesome and, mm. and this is the one thing that is i agree i'm with you that relationship is is doomed to fail so if i want to put my feminist lens on it and i'm gonna and again because i do not think hitchcock is a feminist in any way no. shape or form um but you could everything that you just said is true she's a total badass and it, the hero of the movie is lisa mm. with stella yeah. They're the hero. And that Jimmy Stewart is not the hero of his own movie because he is totally impotent, right? He is – she keeps climbing on his lap and wants to bang him. She wants to sleep over in her sexy lingerie, and he's like, I'm going to sleep in this chair. You're like – and she even shows it to him. She's like, a preview of what you're about to see. And he's like, I guess we should ask the landlord if it's okay if you stay over. Yeah. I'm like, dude, the fuck? And so there's like this – he's literally like – broken he's a broken man he can't do anything he has to get saved at the end he has to call for help so there's this very much flip you know mm. he's the damsel in distress and the damsel literally in a dress an eleven hundred dollar dress and heels yeah. is running around climbing up a fire escape so you could argue it's a very feminist pro-women message it's, it's an accident it's, it's accidentally like a pro-feminist film exactly. in 1954 <laughs> right yeah yeah, uh, you're right though. I think it's there, and again, like even Stella, like the nurse, is is proactive awesome. and stuff like, like you know. Um, so yeah, I I, I I think that's sort of a way to see it. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about him about <clears throat> Jeffrey? You talk about obviously the negative that he, and the, the Time Life magazine or Time magazine that's there of um, Lisa. I love the fact that you find out about like the photography that's happened, but also how he broke his leg. No one tells you how he broke his leg. But one of the photos is a car crashing and a tire flying towards it, like in a picture, and you're like, like that's clearly like what happened. And the smashed up cameras there, yeah. Because well, yeah. somebody does say in passing later, 
I never told you to go onto that racetrack. Mm. Oh yeah. yes, so, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, but it's like halfway through the movie till you find out. You just kind of piece it together that yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah, like, but I, I love that's how it starts. Like, you it pans around, broken camera, and then basically, a, a, like, a, a black and white photo of a car crashing and a tire flying at him. him. Yeah. I know, I love it. And it's again, that's really good. That's a slow first act. You can't, in a different now, in a movie now, you need Exposition Man to come in and do it. Like, you, everybody's in a fucking hurry to still make a three and a half hour movie of bullshit, but you still need Captain Exposition to come in and say everything. Where this is like, hey, Pay attention. And yes, you talked about one of my favorite. The, I think the moment of the film is the the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the hot butt of the cigar or cigarette on the other across the way. You can't make that can't make this movie today because people aren't paying attention. And if mm. they are watching, they're not watching on a screen that's big enough to see it. Like we watched it. Like I've got a pretty decent sized computer screen that I'm talking to you on. We've mm. got a decent sized TV. We're not like super monsters, but mm. this is a movie that was Hitchcock made for a big fucking. This screen. is a cinema film. That red dot was in the middle of a big, huge black screen. It yeah. was like haunting you. Yeah. This movie, people who are watching, like, don't watch this movie on your phone. No, you're not going to get it. It's not going to work. Needs... The... Yeah. The, yeah. So this I film benefits like... from HD and it benefits from a big screen. Both. And it benefits from the time, the, the different audience intention, like mm. a slow movie. Like they still make slow movies. They still like my favorite trilogy is the before trilogy. Nothing happens. It's two people walking around and talking. Yeah. I love those movies. Like seriously, favorite trilogy. Like I should say Star Wars because like that's my earliest memory. But honestly, my favorite trilogy is the before trilogy where nothing happens. Two people hate each other and then love each other and then hate each other. That's the movie. And the performances are exceptional. You could put, you could watch that on a small screen because just people walking around talking, but the pacing of those movies mm. is slow and deliberate and you fall in love with Jesse and, and Celine and you, you're with them. You're this with is characters. That's what I was going to say. This one of, one of the things I'm sort of learning or sort of um, one of the things that, that Julian and I are doing is the, the Kurosawa effect. Uh, uh, we're going through. I can't wait to hear those. We're we're going through all of like Akira Kurosawa's filmography, like in the early stuff. Like you know, we we just did. What did we do the other day? Um, we did Drunken Angel, uh, which is nineteen forty eight. Am I right? Nineteen forty eight. Yeah. And there's like you know, there's bits and pieces in that, but like there's a pacing to these films. And you know, culturally, obviously, like, you know, these are Japanese films, but there's a pacing to these films from the forties, and you just sort of like, I'm digging them. Like we were both really into them. It's it's a, it's a new experience to me. But you're saying about this thing about the exposition, and I noticed this with a couple of these sort of Kurosawa films, where there's stuff where you just go, "Oh, I've missed something," and you you like, "Yeah, I have," because I'm I'm not yeah. paying attention. Like these aren't films you can sort of watch while you're doing the ironing or anything like that. You know, you've got to watch these films. And I feel like there is something about that. Like this was an experience. This was a movie experience. You went to the pit. You went to the movies to see the film. Um, <clears throat> in, like using, for example, in, at the start of this, you know, we just talked about you see the photo, you see the photo, yeah. and you see the crack camera, and like, there's a drop line later on. You may get that in some films where they'll have like really badly done sort of like youthing people to sort of make them look like photography yeah. guaranteed there'll be also directors that'll have like the friend come in or Stella come in and go like i can't believe you had the photo done of you of the tire exactly that broke they, your leg that's it they would oh my god you're <laughs> totally right stella would say it stella would be like that picture of you getting hit by the car it's like no you just saw it 
Yeah, oh, I know. So I got right. that. You haven't got to tell me. And you know, you'd have someone else going like, you'd have that the burning butt in the, the cigarette thing, and then you'd have someone sort of like you'd have Lisa again or Stella or even well, it'd be one of those lean in and be yeah. like, he's in there, and you'd be like, we know, <laughs> you don't need to tell us. We're watching your movie. And that is one of the things that frustrates me so much. And I kind of make fun of it in my book series where it's like, I don't get halfway through the book and then remind you what was said earlier. Like, I'll, like I, I might remind you, I might like say like something, you know, but, but I won't like retell the whole first, like in chapter 30, I'm not going to retell chapter one. Yeah. Like, I trust that you read the book. And, you and if I did a bad job and you don't yeah. remember, like there's uh, Ken Follett is a, is a British writer and he, mm fucking does that to beat the band he repeats himself and i know he writes these like thousand page tomes but here's the thing ken nobody's picking up your thousand page book if they don't think they can handle it nobody's yeah. like i'm gonna do some light reading oh the century series is a three thousand book trilogy three thousand page trilogy hmm i've never read a book before i'm gonna pick that up no you don't need to quit i'm reading your book trust yeah. your audience and can you imagine if tolkien can you imagine if tolkien was doing that like you know oh my god we're now at Helm's yes. deep but i just want to tell you about what happened once again whilst when we left the shire and you'd be like no <laughs> no i don't need that like you know <laughs> I don't need that at all that tolkien is a great shout out he trusts his readers there's no and i know people hate tom bombadil and i love tom bombadil but you know like even that even in tom bombadil you're like tom bombadil mm. You have to when you're done reading, or you're like, is Tom Bombadil God of Middle Earth? Is yeah. that like you when you're done, you're like, holy shit, Tom Bombadil is the creator. And you didn't know because he let you figure it out. He there's the breadcrumbs are there. There's enough lines. So not like remember in the first book when we walked and hang out with Tom and he saved us from the tree and remember all that? Yeah. No. Yes, I do remember. You don't need to tell me again. So yeah, I do you're right. Somebody wouldn't have said, I think he's in there. Yeah, no shit. He's in yeah, there. We get oh it. my god, yeah, that's yeah. so and well so said. Ah. Uh, and that's what I look. That's it. There's, there's this of like there's a there's a, a trust of um, viewers that you know. Well, they don't have the attention, or they're not paying attention enough time because they're on the phones or they're doing something else, so they're not going to catch it. So we've got to tell them to catch this thing. Um, and that's not all directors. Again, we sort of mentioned Scorsese. I think you know Spielberg. I think you know he still does these things. I think there's a couple of others, but like generally, I think modern directors really do sort of go like, or even writers like hammer it home to keep keep reminding hey, or feeding the information. Do you think it's the writers and directors, or is it the studios saying they're people that are too dumb to get it? Which no, is I it? I, th I think it started as the studios. Okay, so I think um, you you see this in sort of like with the birth of the big films in the eighties and nineties where they've just got it, you know, you've got to keep sort of hammering stuff, you know, hammer the point, hammer the point, hammer the point. <clears throat> sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's become the norm mm. it started as a studio thing. And now it's just become the norm. Oh, that's how you write a script. And you're going like, no, it's not. <laughs> so it doesn't. And you can't, and again, I'm not knocking that. I'm not, there are, and this is the thing, movies, slow burner, movies like this can still exist, but they're going to be direct to streaming. They're going to be made for a nickel. And, mm. you know, and again, nobody's going to see them. So then therefore people are going to say they're not any good. But it's funny when you think of these big classic movies, the movies we're discussing here. And, and you know, and, and again, this Island Earth, when we end, is a stinker. But I also love it for, for being that. Yeah. Um, but but it's, it's nighttime. I don't think so. I can't wait for us to get to that movie because it's so stupid. But 
there's there's still even that movie just kind of tr like that line is in there because they're like we're clearly filming a day so we have to say it's nighttime out loud like because of the budget constraints and like yes. ed wood and his heart was so big and his movies are so bad but like he even tried to let you like tell a story with pictures that's what film is and i mm. understand it's it's a visual medium and i know people do do it for comfort they're like i'm gonna this is my favorite like i could put on heathers and move around because i could just get up and act out Heathers. oh 100 i'll right? go to the films you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah so there's but even heathers rewards you for paying attention like there are a handful one of our favorite films hudson hawk it rewards mm -hmm. you for paying attention shit's happening in the background last crusade when she's when oh. she's like what is that and he's like ark of the covenant she says are you sure he says pretty sure yeah if that movie were made now they'd have to be like well yeah. Stop and remind you what happened in the previous movie. No, yeah. if you're watching Insert, insert, Crusade. In, yeah, yeah. insert Raiders, uh, Raiders flashback here. Right. We mm. don't need that. Well, what were we just watching? I don't know. Oh, we're watching Lost for the first time. I've never mm. seen Lost. We don't know how it ends. And they do those flashback scenes in Lost, which is fine, which we're here for. But then in one of the seasons, which is weird because it's JJ and Lindelof, so they don't do this. So again, this is like, is that the studio? Like they literally, it wasn't like, it was a previous on Lost thing. It should have been, but it was like in the show. We're like, wait, mm. you're playing something from season one in the middle of the show, not at the beginning. It's like, if you're in season four of Lost, you're yeah, in. You're, yeah, you're in. You don't need us. You don't. We don't need that. So yeah, that's a that's a. I think you're right. I think it started as the studio. Now it's just what people think. But there are still these movies still get made. I mean, I don't know that a movie like this. I mean, just because in Disturbia. Mm. The, the the modern version he definitely did it like you know what i mean it's like and david oh, is a guy, yeah. but it's not this that's no, a that's it's a never different... in dispute it's never really in dispute in that film right um no i'm not, i'm just looking, i'm just thinking i'm yeah. looking up and thinking about other films i say like you know i think there was a time when you would have that you know um you bought into things you know um and there's sort of like a film I often think about for this, which is a really odd side just, and we'll, we'll, we'll bring around to it because it's not, it's, it's Tim Burton's, but it's Edward Scissorhands. Mm, I love Edward Scissorhands. And Edward Scissorhands, oh, tragic, heartbreaking. I love that film and sort of like, you know, but it's one of those films where the like. Best remake of Pinocchio ever. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Yeah. yeah. But like, logistically, that film like doesn't work. Like, you know, no, Scissorhands. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's yeah. crazy. Like, um, and there's so much in that film that should, you know, that is just weird and stuff. But it's one of those films where, like, you know, um, Edward, played by Johnny Depp, doesn't talk. You know, you've got these other bits. Of, like, he exists in this sort of weird uh, Burton-esque world. And there's all this going on. Um, but it's one of those films where, like, it's not going to spoon-feed you anything. It's a fairy tale. And you're either in it or you're not. And it That's does not care. Point. And it, it does not care if you are. Like, it's going, I'm going to tell this story. Well, you know, you'll get a little bit of a flashback at the beginning with the wonderful Vincent Price. Oh, and like, you know, role? yes, it is. Oh. Um, mm. and so you get this like little bit at the beginning, but that's it. Like, there's this thing of like he just tries to give him hands, but there's no sort of like, this is how I made you. This is why I made you. This is your purpose. Like, you know, he's not looking for his destiny. Like, this isn't like a destiny fulfilling film. This isn't that. Like, you know, the film's just like, oh, I'm just gonna tell this story, and it's weird, and it's a fairy tale, and that's all there is to it. And that's what I feel like now. You, you, everything has to have a purpose, you know. Well, the villain has to have 
motive we have to understand the villain's motivation and why he's doing this and what he's doing it for and it has to be almost justified because he can't be a straightforward bad guy you know like there's all these uh, there's these things you have to do now it's like yeah but you've you've almost taken away the need to watch the do you know what I mean like I can just sit back and I you've made we were talking about it sort of like we were talking before about pop culture we were talking about yeah, yeah. Agatha Christie. this is what we're talking about it's the same thing with these films where you go and I I enjoy the uh, Kenneth Branagh Poirot films. I do but, too. But and I think they I think they're very good. I think that you know I think they get a bit bit of stick. But I would say they are slightly tinged by the need. But they keep the mystery, and I think they all play out well. But they're very glossy, and they all start with they introduce the characters and that sort of thing, um, and they're going to work at their own pace. But it it constantly feels a little bit like there's Hollywood on the edges going sort of like, don't forget to make sure that this this character like you know this character's motivation is crystal clear. Like, you oh know. sure, sure, yeah. Which again, the dame never did that. Mm. That was not her thing. Like she wanted you to like, she wanted you to be confused of who the hero was and who the villain was, and and that is. That is okay, and you know that is, and again, as we're watching Lost, trying to figure out who's good and who's who's a goodie and who's the baddie is actually part yeah. of the, you know, is is part of the fun. Um, yeah, no, I I I I agree with what you're saying. I think, and and this is this is the part of of art that you and I like, and Julian and Jack and you mm-hmm. know Rhea and all of us. The reason the thing that we the reason we like art is that we can have these conversations. Yeah, it's thoughtful. It's um. And again, we're not like if you like a paint by numbers movie, that's great. There's nothing wrong with like taking your brain out for, you know, and again, I love stupid, bad action movies. Mm. I just love them. But you know who I've been getting back into recently? And I've just kind of, and I didn't realize how prolific he was. Is Michael J. White has never stopped working. Dude's amazing. Dude is amazing. He's a genetic freak, that guy. Dude just uh, keeps going. And he does, and he writes and directs his own movies. I just watched one called Better Off Dead or something like that. I don't even remember what it's called unbelievable like he it's so dumb it's it's i i believe i said it was like if um if john wick um and uh, no retreat or surrender had a really ugly baby with <laughs> with with rambo last blood that's yeah. the movie it is so but like he writes it he directs it it's way better than it has any right to be he's still fucking charismatic and as hell but he also gets like these types of movies People are like, oh, well, that they're action movies, so they're mm-hmm. lowbrow. The only kind of action movies we can make now is are these ones where, like, it's the complicated yeah, you know, yeah. anti-hero or whatever. He's like, sometimes there's just a bad guy who wants to take over the dojo, so I'm just going to do that. Yes. It's going to be really – there's just a bad guy, and it's okay, and this guy's going to do murder. Yeah. You know what it is? The, and I haven't seen the third one yet, but Fuqua's um, Equalizer trilogy. Oh. You're just like – Fuck you. Here's what it is. I'm going to make a movie. It's going to be what it is. It's going to be slow. It's going to burn. And you know who the fucking bad guys are. Yeah. And in the hero, the equalizer is bad. He tells you I'm a monster. Yeah. I'm a sociopath too. We're not on his side, but he's also like, he's the equalizer. That's his whole thing. It's like, he's an avenging angel of justice or whatever. And it's really crystal clear of what's going on. Those movies are good. And you know he always third has one's movies. great. I actually really enjoyed I, I, the third one. I have it. I have it on hold um, mm. at the library. He, the thing is, is he um, at no point in time does he try to release those as summer blockbusters because he knows they won't work. Yeah, they always get released in the fall. They're for adults. We're not because he's like, oh, you need me to 
it's it's fucking Denzel Washington in this movie, right? Yeah. So I'm just gonna make a Denzel Washington movie, and you're gonna see it, or you're not gonna see it. And it's gonna be smart, and it's gonna be well scripted, and it's gonna be well crafted, and he's gonna be a complicated kind of a dick. That character's mm-hmm. a bit of a dick, but it's hard, you know, hard to go. Whatever. There's no. So that's what I love those movies. So those are the close things. I think he is. I think he's an excellent filmmaker. I'm here yes. to watch whatever his Magnificent Seven was magnificent oh, he's I agree, never I agree, made him. Yeah, i love, love all of his movies and i know he's found his muse with with uh and if your muse is denzel washington fucking yeah. keep making movies because i guess yeah. they've got another thing in the pipeline yes um i'm here for it and so he's he's maybe the modern day guy who's like i can get away. but he also keeps those budgets down he's not mm. he's not making a 700 million he's like i can which again 50 million dollars we you and i could retire yeah, but he's saying I'm gonna make a fifty million dollar movie. Oh, and Denzel Washington's gonna be in it. And the only movies Denzel Washington's ever made sequels to is those equal, mm-hmm. right? So that's the only thing I can think of that's modern day. That's like this: like trust the audience to remember what happened in the previous movies. Trust yeah. the audience to remember what happened earlier in the movie. Show don't tell. That first yeah. one, murder in Home Depot. Oh my God! Like they set that up from the beginning. You're like. He's sharpening stuff at the beginning. Mm. You're not like, hey, remember earlier when I was sharpening blades? Yeah. We're like, we saw. Yeah, saw we know. We saw. Yeah. You did this whole montage of him just going about his day at work at the Home Depot. And then when you see him in the second one and he's the Uber driver and you see the way he handles the cards. So later when he fucking kills a guy with his credit card, you saw why. Yes. You've seen the skills. Yes. It's so good. He's the guy. He's, is he the new yeah. Hitchcock? Is that what we're saying? Uh, action Hitchcock. Action Hitchcock, <laughs> action maybe. Hitchcock? Okay, I'm here for I love him. I think yes. No, I love his films. Great. Yeah. Training Day and, yeah. and like, say, Banks for Seven and so on and so forth. Like, Denzel is yeah. like, and also Denzel's just like, you know, Denzel, I'm just calling him Denzel like I know him. Like, Denzel like we Washington. Know, <laughs> yeah. Well, because, and his son is no slouch either, but mm. boy, Denzel is, um, I'll say to be cheeky, a man apart. Mm. Nice, nice. <laughs> I like it. Anyway, right. We anyway, sort of wrap it up. Sorry. But, okay. Yeah, but no. This is I, not I, that I, we love Denzel Washington show, but we could. Yes. Yeah. But maybe that's the next one, the Denzel, the Denzel effect. Um. Yeah. So I wanted to just highlight is you know, one of the things that's been interesting about this is just what we go through. I keep thinking about it is, so we've done Death Race, Candyman, um, They Live, live. and to Rear, Rear Window in the stories. One of the things that we so we're four into our sort of seven was it six and then a biggie let's call it that sort of like a bit you know bit six and then the big finale. Um, so far one of the things is and we've got two sort of biggies as well coming up, but it, 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 we every story we've read we've we, we've really sort of been enthused by. Yeah, we're absolutely. like oh this is a you know granted I think that of them. Uh, the Forbidden, which is Candyman's probably the, the most well known, mm-hmm. um, it being Clive Barker and so on and so forth. But <clears throat> each one of them we've read and gone like, these are really good stories. Like, yeah, um, you know, and luckily we've found them because, well, firstly because of uh, Real, Real Future, Future, the book yeah. we now we both have a copy of. Yeah. Um, but also like because of these films, we're still now going back. But one of the things that this has been sparking in my head is like. How many amazing short stories are out there that like we just don't know about in all kinds of genres? You know, know. we've done science fiction, we've done horror, we've done sort of thriller, and I'm going like, man, that you know, the, all of them have been good. We've been really lucky, 
Um, and so, yeah, I just thought, how is it that, you know, there must be so many short stories I'm never going to get to read that are just a blinder. That It's just, it's a real shame. It is a real shame. And I think there's a, there's a few, and that's the thing, you know, you just, you got to go read, read them. There's a place I subscribe to. One of my short stories was published there. It's called the Fictional Cafe. It's totally free. Mm. You can subscribe. And they'll like, if you subscribe to Fictional Cafe, they just like send you a whatever something new publishes. And they're just like randos from the mall like me. Some of them are really good. Some of them are mad. But it's like every like two or three days, I get a short story in my email from people I've never heard of. And they, you know, and there's probably like 150 people are going to read it, but it's cool. It's just like art, yeah, right? Somebody's it is. putting themselves out there. So yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that I do. Cause you're right. There's so much you're just never going to read. No. Um, and it's, it's a crime, but um, yeah, I think there's, I think short stories are great. And I think, We'll see by the time we get to the end of this, you know, and I, I agree with what you're saying is that this is a, it's an excellent art form. It, it used to make people money. I watched yes. Unstuck in Time, which is a glorious, I didn't cry. I'm not crying. You're crying. Um, <laughs> 40 year documentary about Kurt Monaghan. Mm. Uh, it is amazing. But, you know, he made a living for 20 years just writing stories for magazines because there was yeah. no TV and then TV killed short stories. Yeah. Um, and so TV, and that's the thing. I still think America's greatest science fiction writer is Rod Serling. He's oh, you, and you know right we're time. doing, yeah, you know right. we're obviously doing Trekking Through the Twilight Zone. So I'm doing that sure. as well. Of course. And yeah, that yeah, is, I love that show. That I love is, what you guys do there. Yeah. And that He's is the greatest incredible. American science, science yes. fiction writer, but he also came from that. Like he adapted mm. some short stories. He was a short story writer. Like he did Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. I, I think that's how I first experienced that before I read the story was the Twilight Zone version of it. Mm. And, you know, so it's like he understood how to write a short story as a fucking telus- teleplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the first person who's like, oh, I can tell a story in 30 minutes and I will make you not sleep at night. Exactly. So those places. And, you know, who did that? Hitchcock. Yeah. He had Al- I used to watch Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Those were yeah. really great. And uh, I watch- I mean, there was one that would be an interesting thing. Maybe I'll keep it, but maybe we could look, see if we could find some of those. And Because I do think that is where short stories have gone is tv but now even tv is premium all, long it's all, form it's all like yeah, yeah. no yeah. i agree but, anthology shows are, you know amazing and i think of what horror you know horror you got the was it um, american horror stories but yeah, going yeah. back to horror's always been doing that sort of thing um but yeah, yeah I, I agree i just think you know short stories is, is an art form that's been you know um, video killed the radio star. No, video killed the short story writer. I think as You're well. right. That's so. what it is. Yeah, and a lot of them go right <clears throat> TV scripts now. Mm. Serling and Richard Matheson. Okay. I'm going to say, just watching this stuff. You're like Richard Matheson as well. Another uh. one just to throw out there. It's, it's amazing. Um, anyway, next. So we both loved Rear Window, and it it had to be murder. I think I think that was a you know yeah bit of a uh, a fantastic pairing. <clears throat> but next, um, we're going to get our ass to Mars. Oh my god! Oh my god! Are we going to watch both of them or just that one? Uh, oh, I don't know. Well, well, we're going to be joined as well. We're not just the pair of us. We're actually going to be. We're going the to doctor? be. Yes, the good doctor is going to be joining us. Uh, Julian Darius uh, uh, will be joining us. We're going to set it up. We're going to be covering uh, Total Recall, uh. and uh, we can remember it for you wholesale. The uh, Philip K. Dick um, short story. And it, yeah, do we do right. just the Arnold one, or do we do the Colin Farrell one? Well, as well? I think we do because there's three of us. We do the Arnold one, and then we have to at least just have a conversation about how yeah. a movie with pretty good actors sucked balls. Yes, yeah, how they took a really good idea and made it pretty awful. But it I've, was, I've, it's it, been well, some we'll time. We'll save so. it. We'll definitely save it. But yeah, I mean, visually, there's some stuff. I can't wait. Totally recall. Look, Philip K. Dick. He's one of those guys 
who's still who's always in print. Mm-hmm. Short story writer who's always well, in print. But again, he's the guy. He's on the list. Like as American short story fix short science fiction writer, you're like, well, we've already got Philip K. Dick. You're like, well, but as we should have Philip K. Dick, we should keep reading him. But what about these other? Yes, you know, it's like him and Heinlein, and they're like, that's it. Yeah, like, but. It's the same with Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke, isn't it? You know, like he's up there as well. Sure. They're on that. They're on that list, and you go like, you know, all right, that's great, but well, there are I, others. Yeah, right. Can we can we well, talk this about? One I'm excited because yes, look, we can remember it for you wholesale is amazing, and um, I I I I'll have to dig into my memory banks because they're so blended right now. I actually think it may have been one I'd actually read before Total Recall. Like I think ah. I came to the story first because I just. PKD, you know, he's one of those things you could find his books and use bookstores. And so it'd be like just picking stuff up him in again with Heinlein. Um, what I may do just to add to yeah. it, I'm 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 not sure if I'll see if I've got a copy. Total Recall is an instrument. It's a film based on a book that has a novelization. <gasps> There's a novel, and of course you had you did that again. People go back to the 20th century. You guys, yeah. you you had the novelization of like Alien Three or something, right? Oh, I've like got all. Yeah, I've got loads. I've got, yeah, I've got like yeah, yeah. loads of novelizations. It's a bit of a it's a they it's a bit of a weird. Anymore. They sort of they do, but for like weird films, like they do it for some of the comic book films and um, all of the Planet of the Apes films had one. Oh, did they really? The Matt yeah, yeah. The oh. new ones, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 and a few of those, but they're they're worth they're, they're pretty good. Uh, yeah, nice. the pre- well, the predator I... the predator had one. And it's one of the first. That's it's one of the only crime. times where I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna buy it because I kind of want it to go with the rest of my predator novelizations. But like, I'm gonna that just go. Yeah, Jack and I were just talking like because if you just heard Olivia Munn and Keegan Keegan Michael Key are gonna be in a Shane Black movie, you're like, whatever cool. that is, it's gonna be good, and then you were be wrong. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, right, yeah, we're going to finish yeah. on that point. Yeah, okay. Not, yeah. yeah, but because this has been among us, and we are going to be doing Total Recall, and Julian oh. Darius, I believe, will be joining us for that. So that will be coming out soon. Um, not before Christmas. I think we'll, you know, we'll be doing things. So we'll have this, yeah. and then after this, you'll have a, a Christmas interlude. There'll be some specials. I'm going to do some things over Christmas, and then we'll be back with some more story time. So. Tony, as always, it's it's always a jo- joy and it's this always is so a pleasure. Fun. I love doing this. Thank you. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Really appreciate everything doing. Check out uh, find us on social media under 20th Century Geek. Check out the Patreon, um, patreon.com slash two zero CG media. We do all kinds of bits and pieces on there. Um, we're doing tracking to the Twilight Zone, 30 minute thoughts, all kinds of bits and pieces. Um, isn't and- there a I believe You've got an essay collection out and a second essay oh, collection. Oh, we do. We do. Okay. I never talk about that. Judging Dread is out. This Christmas coming. Christmas is coming. Go buy Judging Dread, which is a collection of essays discussing Judge Dread. Um, you're right. And a brand new one. I mean, you contributed to that. Yeah, the great yeah. Tony. And also to the new one, which yeah. is called, uh, it was called something. And then we had to change the title. Change it caused the a, title. Because yeah. it caused a problem. Yeah. Um, it's now called Waxing and Waning Essays on Moon Knight. So there's a Moon Knight collection out there. I think I've made clear that I'm a big Moon Knight fan. Tony did an essay for that as well. Was... These are both from Sequart. They are available on Amazon and uh, all over the place. I think you can find Sequart.org. them. And uh, yeah. you and Julian are putting together a Stories Out of Time and Space. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm currently in the weeds of writing my Event Horizon essay. So, Ooh. yeah, it's, it's good fun. We're writing some good stuff. Nice. Um, Excellent. Well, just people should get down that. And um, yes, I feel like as soon as we hear it stop recording, we'll talk about 
covering that on my show, maybe. We will, yes. But yeah. what about yourself, okay. Tony? Where can people find you? And oh, what, yes. And your stuff as well. Just Christmas. Come on. Get your yes. book out it's there. Christmas, You could go. And actually, if you go to my, if you go to airfarina.com and you can follow me on social media at um, Instagram and Facebook on there. But currently, currently, I don't know when this is coming out. Probably you'll have missed it. But um, you can go, you can get ebooks because we have a sale right now on the ebooks uh, through my publisher. But yeah, you can get the ebook or the print book of Welcome to Mansfield. It's excellent Christmas gift. Rhea said, uh, Rhea's mom is not listening to this. Mom, as you guys say, but apparently Rhea is giving her mom my book for Christmas. So it's a great gift to give. That's all it I'm is. Saying. Awesome. Yes. Go yeah. check it out. We're all writing stuff and it's, you know, it's Christmas. We Go are. Buy, we are a bunch stuff. of creatives. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. I don't anyway. content content creator. No, creatives. That's who yes. we are. We're creating. Yeah. Love it. That's what I am. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.